Hello everyone on YouTube and Twitch, and those of you listening from the future to our podcasts and VOD versions of this broadcast, welcome to another episode of Waterdeep Dragon Heist. We have a quite small group today, as life gets the better of all of us, but there is still plenty of fun to be had, so without further ado... Uh, let us jump into the game. You take the better, the longer you take, the, the more. There we go. Play. Dale's back. Hello, everybody. Hello. 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 I would, of course, like to issue our usual disclaimer. The Dungeons & Dagons crew likes to have full immersion while we are playing to ensure the best possible play experience and the best possible listening experience for you. And so, while we may not stop the game to acknowledge subs or people in chat or raids, uh, we're sure that the people watching in chat will do their best to make you feel welcome. Let's get into it. It has been quite some time since the last session. Uh, several months. Indeed, the spring of Waterdeep has passed, and we are now in the midst of summer. This is not a bad thing, as summers in Waterdeep are quite comfortable, and it's a great time for citizens and visitors to congregate outside. The markets are busier than at any other time of the year. This, of course, means that Trollskull Manor is busier than ever, and so you're constantly uh, working your fingertips raw, uh, doing your best to serve drinks, food, and hospitality, and thankfully you have the uh, poltergeist bartender lift, lifting a hand, floating drinks, across the tavern floor and uh, lifting dirty plates off tables and floating them into the kitchen to relieve you just a little bit. Sometimes, though, during the summer, warm air pushes up from the south and settles in the valleys north and east of the city. This air gets trapped, creating a hot spell that might last days or weeks. Activity in the city slows to a crawl in these times, since Water Davians are unaccustomed to such heat. And today is one of those days. Thankfully, you've not had to step outside today. You are sheltering in the relative safety of Trollskull Manor. But even indoors, the heat is humid and... humid and sweltering can't help but feel that your humble tavern has turned into some sort of large stone oven. And so what are you all doing today in the M2? Well, first of all, hello everyone, how's it going? Um, now, Bobbit, the last couple of months since we last uh, joined up, has actually picked up a new hobby. Uh, ever since getting her tome from her patron, She's picked up sort of a zest for reading, or a yearning for learning. So, uh, has been using <laughs> her... Well, 
up to this point, completely unused membership at the Emerald Enclave to uh, start going to libraries and borrowing out books on any sort of topic she can get her hands on. So has spent the majority of the warm period just hungered down in her uh, room in the basement, just reading as much as humanly possible. So um, despite all the extra heat and everything else, Bowett's actually a little more paler than the last time we saw her, simply because she spent most of her time downstairs with Blinky, just casually going through stacks of books that now line her out of her room. <laughs> and so today we see Bobbitt uh, sitting at one of the... Sitting in, begrudgingly, Sir Lucian's private booth. Uh, Sir Lucian uh, is not present today. Bobbitt has commandeered his booth and turns it into a makeshift reading nook. The table is overflowing with books as loath as she loath as she is to come out of her basement hiding place. The sweltering heat today means that even Bobbitt has to emerge upstairs. And so here she is in Sir Lucian's private booth, thumbing through a thick history book with Blinky hovering on her shoulder. Next, we shall check in with Bulb I Saw, played by Remy. How is Bulb spending today, and now what has he been doing since we last saw him? I feel like, well, uh, in his spare time, uh, not working at the Drunken Dwarf, he's probably going out to the outlying farms and just helping with um, the farmers doing their farming jobs, I guess, and has now just realised that he never went back to talk to that druid after 20 days if a couple of months have passed. Indeed, I was actually going to get to that. I would like okay, you, okay. I'd like <laughs> you to please make a charisma check, Bol. Just oh. a standard charisma check. Come on, Dice, you've been good to me all last campaign. <laughs> Don't jinx it. That's a 14. So, Bob, um, <laughs> you did eventually head back to the old grove on the outskirts of Waterdeep, past the farming land, to try to uh, try to find the lone druid of Kalimvor, to see whether he would be willing to take you up on your offer. And in at least a 10-day, I'd like you to make... Uh, a, an investigation check, please. Okay, investigation. Do I have that? No, but it is intelligence, which is a plus two. Oh, shit, that's an 11. An 11? That's enough. You only need a 10. A quick Yay. search of the druid's campsite reveals that he seems to have packed up and left. Maybe shortly after you spoke to him, Perhaps even that later, that very same day, there is no sign of where he went, save for a save for a rolled-up piece of parchment which you find wedged in a knot of a tree trunk. You unfurl it, and it simply reads, "I thank you for your talk, Bulbasaur. I have left to ponder upon your wisdom," and that is. It, with no clue of what his ultimate decision may have been. Okay, um, can I leave a note in Druidic? Yes, you may. Uh, that just says, oh, pardon me, 
Um, I hope that wisdom finds you well. Um, however, I have also been thinking about what you said, and I believe it may be time for me to search out your fellow circle members. Very well. You scrawl this on the same piece of parchment, roll it up and put it in the knot of the tree trunk where you found it, and then you leave, not sure whether the druid will return to even see your words, but hopeful that he will. And so today, we find Bolbysaur doing his best to escape the sweltering heat oh, by... Today, Bulb yep. is actually wild-shaped as a giant lizard and just sunbaking at the front of the tavern. Ah, lovely. So Bastard. he's... He's just, uh, wild-shaped as a giant lizard, lying on the upper balcony of Troll Skull Manor, sun-baking as the, uh, sweltering heat bakes his skin, and the cobblestones in the street below seem to glare a bright haze up at him. Living his best lizard life. Yep. Yep. Finally, yeah, we turn it. to Ava, played by Kitty. So what has Ava been doing since last time we saw her? Um, helping out in general and working on her herbalism. Lovely. In fact, I would like you to do a herbalism check right now and we'll see what you managed to scrounge together since last time we met. You may do it with advantage, as you do have the assistance of the Emerald Enclave during this period of downtime. Oh, I got oh, a lat 20. Lat 20, so that advantage oh. helps. <laughs> Lovely. So, with a Herbalism kit, you may make either Potions of Healing or Minor Poisons. Which one would you prefer? Oh. Oh. Um... <laughs> Because we're near the beginning, I'll go with the potions of healing, because I'm sure we'll need some. Lovely. I know that yes. a certain um, paladin will. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, it was standing for a minute there, you, you like all of a sudden Reva was going to make a reappearance <laughs> just in the back of your head. <laughs> <laughs> and so with that nat 20, uh, you've spent a lot of time working with the Emerald Enclave, assisting the elf Melinar in maintaining his garden. And you've Sorry, finished... I cut out. <laughs> That's okay. I just—I was just saying—you've spent a lot of time over the this these last few months working with the Emerald Enclave, helping the Elf Melinar in maintaining his garden, and you've managed to get a lot of good uh, good work in with your herbalism kit. And so, you create uh, eight potions of healing, which is enough for Damn. two for Ooh. each person, or if you'd like to divide it up in any other way, feel free to do so. Okie dokie. Um, I want to save some for Narthal as well. Yep, well, with all with eight, there should be enough for um, Narthal when he returns. Okay, uh, alright, two each then. And speaking of Thank Narthal, you. he's actually not present. See, in the last few ten days, Narthal has had a strange fascination with Bobbitt's basement. You've seen him with a tape measure out, measuring the dimensions of Bobbitt's bedroom, the corridor leading up to it, and 
drawing up plans for something. Something that he remains quite secretive about. And today, stating that he needs to earn some honest cash in order to put his uh, project into fruition, he's actually not present, as he has decided to head over to the city guard barracks and file paperwork. A job that he has neglected quite severely since he began adventuring with the party, and something which you get the impression was not entirely his decision, rather more influenced by a barrage of angry letters and visits from members of the city guard glaring at him through the bar and asking when he felt like returning to work. <laughs> I was going to say, while he's uh, usually making those uh, measurements and stuff down there, Bobbitt occasionally uh, just starts peeking over the book as Blinky just hovers near him the entire time watching what he's doing. I will say one other thing about Bobbitt. Ever since she started reading, she did have some trouble at first. And upon looking into it by asking some like the healers and stuff, she uh, actually was recommended a pair of glasses. So Bobbitt now has a small pair of like oval glasses just for whenever she reads, which at this point has just been all the time. <laughs> and so, here you are today. Bobbitt in Sir Lucian's booth. Ava behind the bar mixing drinks, aided by Veska or Moon Moon, who's doing her best to wait the victuals across the tavern floor. Mickey Magrood seated in one of the other booths, helping Volo with his latest manuscript and sharing a drink with uh, Volo's perhaps sometimes unfortunate friend Floon Bagmar and his... Uh, Almost mirror image, Rainier Never Ember, and Bulb sunbathing as a giant lizard on the balcony overhanging Troll Skull Alley. Seems as, if seems as if it's going to be another lazy day until the front door dun, dun, dun. opens. The front door of Troll Skull Manor opens, and in steps Sir Lucy and his face red and covered with sweat as he boils in his armour. He looks over and begins to make a beeline to his private booth, ready to quench his thirst with a nice drink. Then he sees Bobbit sitting there with her books piled upon the table. He stops. His mouth begins to curl into a frown. Bobbit, what do you do? Well, Bobbit hasn't actually noticed him yet. She's currently engrossed with a book titled uh, uh, Royal Giants and uh, Famous Bloodlines. <laughs> and so Bobbit does not notice Sir Lucian as his stern face quickly turns into an angry scowl and he begins to walk briskly across the tavern floor. Eventually, he reaches his booth and he clears his throat. <clears throat> but... Before you have a chance to respond to him. I'm just going to switch the music here. Because something is going to interrupt him. Ooh. Windows rattle as the roar of an explosion fills Trollskull Manor. 
charred bodies and anguished screams fly through the air outside, visible through the windows. A thick cloud of acrid smoke billows outward from the blast, which seems to have occurred right outside the front door through which Sir Lucian entered. You all I jump to back it and, and yell out, that out. wasn't me! Bubba <laughs> <laughs> didn't do anything! <laughs> Immediately, Volo and his two friends stand up, startled by the explosion. Volo looks around, he says, Oh, uh, well, uh, that sounded unpleasant. Rainier never remember France and says, Yes, indeed. He looks over at everyone assembled. Bobbit, Ava, Sir Lucian, and Bulb. And he says, You might be wise to check that out. Do not fear. Mickey Magrood and I will ensure that Floon and Volo remain safe here. Hey, Bob. Taking, taking all of her books back down to the basement takes about several minutes longer than it probably should have, but otherwise comes out and goes, Okay, we go now. <laughs> As Bobbit returns her books, Veska stops washing the plate she's working on, places it in the sud-filled sink, and climbs deftly over the Bar. She draws a short sword out of its scabbard, looks at the open front door, bites her bottom lip, and she says, Now, I haven't been adventuring much lately, but someone tries to blow up my uh, temporary place of residence, I take that personally. And since my uh, buffoon of a relation isn't here to ruin everything and put an even bigger target on my back, you have my sword and my spell book. Is there anything you'd like to do before you step out into Troll Skull hey, Alley? Hey, Bubba doesn't have an axe. <laughs> um, hmm. Excellent question. Um, uh, no. I want to say that I'm still a giant lizard for now. Yep. And I'll say that I've been sunbathing for an hour, so I still have half an hour. Yeah. On my wild shape. Yep, that's fair. Mm. So you're not going to turn into your normal form? You're going to remain a giant lizard? Not yet, but I am at the front door. Yep. All right. Ready so... to follow them. All right, so you're I guess all... I'm... Yep. Well, sorry, Ava. I guess I'm going to ready my sword. All right. Bobbit, anything in particular you'd like to do? Me to do on this one. I mean, that's in... fair. <laughs> That's fair. And so as Ava draws her sword and follows Veska out, so Lucian pulls out his log sword and barges through the door. And then Bulb and Bobbit follow him outside. Troll Skull Alley is in chaos. In the wake of the explosion, people emerge from their houses and shops to survey the devastation. The explosion doesn't appear to have set any buildings ablaze, but the facades of several shops, businesses and houses are covered in nasty scorch marks, including, unfortunately, your tavern. You also notice 
that there are several people scattered across the cobblestone street, apparently dead. I would like you oh, all yeah. to make a perception check, please. And I will roll for Sir oh, Lucian. Right. Yeah, well, this will be fun. What is my perception? Uh, my perception is seven. Uh, nine. Nine. Just Seven. We'll see oh, what. I only got nine. God. That's okay. You put an exclamation mark, Dale. You yep. only put a dash. Ah, oh, did... Ah, yes. I'm sorry, I will roll for him again. <laughs> uh, 1d20. Sorry, I don't roll. Ah, uh, 11. Okay. That'll be a partial group success. And so you look around and survey this terrible scene and you find you are able to identify a couple of the unfortunate dead. One elderly female human who probably was out for a walk. Two cloaked male humans wearing black leather armour holding long swords still grasped in their dead hands two female humans and one male half-elf dressed in plain clothes perhaps normal passers-by finally a male rock gnome wearing a burned cloak and clutching a dagger he is lying very close to the doorstep of your tavern perhaps no more than one foot away then Sir Lucian sighs, and he points further down the street at something only he was able to see. You turn and look, and you feel a tiny tinge of sadness as you see two female halfling children who were playing with a flute and a fiddle, now lying dead and bloodied on the cobblestone. You know what? For once I might actually agree with the paladin's philosophy on this. Door. <laughs> Are there any survivors? Uh, there appear to be quite a few survivors. Uh, the people of Trollskull Alley are slowly emerging from their places of business and their homes and are just gathering in the street, forming a circle of onlookers around the okay. chaos, muttering to themselves, speculating about what might have happened. I want to ask if anyone saw anything. Okay, so first of all, I would like Ava, and depending on how you'd like to go about this, you may do either an investigation check, this would be to just be very to the point, ask questions, who saw what, what did you see, or perhaps you'd like to uh, mingle with the crowd a bit and try to pick up what you can hear through hearsay, in which case that will be a charisma persuasion check. While Kitty's doing that, oh. Oh, Ava's doing that, sorry. Mm. Oh. Yes, Paul, what would you like to do? Oh, I was just going to say, can I see if any of the people that got caught in the explosion are still alive? Ah, uh, yes. I'd like you to make a medicine check, please. And Bobbit, if you're examining the gnome, I'd like you to please make a uh, investigation check. Um... Alright, I'm higher in persuasion than I am in... Yep, so you're just going to uh, mingle with the crowd and see that. what you overhear. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I only got seven. Seven. 
Well, you do, you mingle in with the crowd, and you don't talk to anyone, and you just try to see what you can overhear, and try to act as if you're just as stunned as everyone else, and you've just stumbled upon this, and you don't manage to strike up a conversation, you don't happen to strike up a conversation with anyone, but you do hear a couple of snippets of conversation from some of the people who were just passing by as the explosion happened. You hear a female shopkeeper, her apron covered in scorch marks and soot, whispering, I was watering plants in the greenhouse on the second floor of my shop when the blast blew out some of the windows. Luckily I wasn't injured. Through the smoke I saw a cloaked man take something from the body of a dead gnome, then start limping away. He was badly burned, casting glances over his shoulder, like he was afraid someone might be following him. I didn't see where he Did went, you know... but... Yes, sorry, Ava, would, would you like to approach her? I was about to ask and... if she knew what direction. But... You, you walk up and you just ask her if she happened to catch what direction he went. And she said, I was caught up in the chaos and I only saw that he quickly left Trollskull Alley. As you as you ask this, however, I'd like you to make another charisma check, just a normal one. Uh, oh, that's 20. 20. Yeah. As you talk with this woman, a severe-faced noble woman clad in a scarlet dress approaches you and she says well I happened to see him and I tell you it was not a man more like a puppet shaped like a man a puppet without Ooh. strings it was on the rooftop I saw it hurled something into the crowd below that caused the explosion I saw those poor halflings burned alive I saw them Okay, does, uh, do you know where he went? She thinks for a moment, and then she says, I saw the puppet after it hurled that thing into the street. It scarpered over the rooftops, and... The, at this, the shopkeeper interjects and says, No, no, I didn't see anyone on the rooftops. I saw a man take something from that corpse and scarper down the street. The noble well, woman. There could be more than one. The noble woman scratches her blonde hair and she says, hm, "Well, I saw no such thing, but I tell you, that puppet, that man made of wood or whatever he was, scarped over the rooftops." Now, in what direction? <laughs> she simply points. And you see, she points towards the rooftop of uh, a trinket shop, a couple across the alleyway from your tavern, and about a block away. Based on which direction she's pointing, I'd like you to make a survival check, please, Ava. Um. Yes. Oh, whoops. I just did 1d206. <laughs> no, I needed 1d20 plus 6. 
21. Based on the direction she's pointing, you think that the man or puppet or whatever she saw may have travelled to the south, meaning that they were headed in the direction of the north ward or the castle ward. This would be the direct opposite direction to the man that the other woman saw leaving Trollskull Alley, who would have had no choice but to head north. Okay. Mm. Now we move to Bulb, and Bulb, what did you get on your <laughs> medicine check? I got a 15. A 15. Unfortunately, all of the all of the people scattered in the street appear to have perished based on what you can see of the bodies. They appear to have been killed by an expulsion of, of heat, force, and flame. It resembles the aftermath of a fireball spell. Okay. Well... That's however, sad, but also I don't need to waste a second spell slot healing everybody, so... I would like <laughs> you, however, to please make a perception check. Perception? Oh, okay. Uh, that is a 10 plus, 10 plus... Oh, pardon me, perception is wisdom, uh, 13. While you are examining the bodies... Pardon me. You notice... One of the dead male humans has a tattoo of a winged snake tattooed on his right forearm, just visible under his scorched black armour. And you recognise this as the symbol of the Zentaru. After all, you've had runnings before, back during the whole Floon Bagmar saga. Mm. The giant lizard just shakes its head. Bobbit. How did you do on your investigation check? Uh, 16. You walk over and you join the crowd of onlookers who are gathered around the dead gnome and you examine him. You do not recognise him as the gnome from the trinket shop. The gnome in the trinket shop had grey, vaguely blue-tinged skin, the skin of a deep gnome, and this is a rock gnome. You don't recognise him, but you do notice that he has dry waste on his boots and cloaks, suggesting that he spent time in the sewers fairly recently. You also notice, attached to his belt, a pouch containing what appears to be assorted gemstones. No one else appears to have noticed it. Now, obviously, it would be a bit weird to try and uh, just go and take this off him directly, I'm assuming. You could attempt a sleight of hand check to see if you could uh, do it without anyone noticing. True. You encouraging, But it or, would be with or, disadvantage, because there I are... Was going to say, I yep. was going to say, I could go up and try and... Uh, pretend to cast Bear the Dying on him in an attempt to make it look like I'm trying to heal him to see him while I'm doing that, just take the path off while I'm trying to cast magic on him. Very well. In that case, I'll allow you to do a normal sleight of hand check as making a show of attempting to heal this poor man or spare his life distracts the onlookers just enough that you may be able to lift the pouch. 
Let's make a sleight of hand check, please. Okay. Uh, that's going to be was my sleight of hand plus three twenty two. So you imagine like Bobbit's running up with her like you know spell book and stuff, everything else going. Bubba will try and help. That's like casting Spare the Dying, knowing full well that, no, this guy is definitely toast and just casually going, yoink. Mm-hmm. You manage to lift the pouch while everyone is distracted, and then you quickly run back into the crowd and open the pouch, and you find inside five gemstones worth 100 gold each. Whoa. Neo's. As you dart back into the crowd, I'd like you to make a charisma check, please. Okay. Uh, That's going to be a uh, 14. You quickly put the gemstones back in their pouch and pull the drawstring. And then you feel someone watching you. You look up and over your shoulder and you appear to catch the sight of a 12-year-old boy. His gaze quickly shifts from you towards the two dead halfling children lying a short distance away. Oh no. What do you do? Just sort of look at him and just go, um, hello? Bubbit? Bubbit is Bubbit. Are you okay? He looks at you with a sad look on his face, and he says, Were they your friends too? Mm. Would Bobbit actually know who they are? Or no. Met them? You, you've not met them. You spend all your time in the basement reading. You don't actually play with the ch- neighbourhood children. Back in the basement, child. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Bob just looks and goes, mm, Bobbit didn't know them, but Bobbit is said they're gone. Did you know them? The kid frowns. He says, sometimes I played with them. I wasn't playing today. I was helping Mama with trying to put all the fruit in the stall at her shop. It's good, otherwise I would have gotten hurt too. The kid eyes Mm. the pouch you're holding and he says, He says, did you find shiny things? Uh, mm Mm-hmm. I found a really neat shiny thing. He says, well, I heard shiny... I found shiny things, too. What shiny thing did you find? Maybe we could swap. He says, um, right after the explosion, I ducked behind a rain barrel, and then I heard a plop, and I found this. He reaches into a tattered cloak, and he pulls out a necklace with a broken clasp and three red-coloured beads attached to it. Oh... Oh shit! Oh no! He points points to a large barrel filled with murky water underneath the overhang of the trinket shop opposite Troll Skull Manor. And he says, I was hiding there and and this thing fell from, from the roof into that water barrel. Oh. That, that's a cool, that's a cool shiny thing. Do you maybe want to swap? Bubba will give you some of her shiny things for your shiny thing. He says, I was going to keep it, but we can make a trade. I'd like you to make a persuasion check, please. Okay. If you ever fail a persuasion, I want it to be now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, well, I'm going to disappoint you. So I'm going to disappoint you because that's a 23. (laughs) Charles has amazing wisdom. But no, just very, very, very charismatic. No, not you. The other child. He has amazing Uh, wisdom, so he succeeds and he's safe. (laughs) (laughs) You managed to to talk him into making a trade. However, he will only accept all five of the gemstones and nothing more. You mean nothing less? Nothing less, less sorry. That's okay. Oh, you're, you're killing me here. This has a lot of money to just pass up. Well, you know that Dale isn't going to give you full price for him. <laughs> mm, usually pretty good with selling stuff like that. Yeah, usually. <laughs> uh... I'm guessing he's not going to be in the mood for... I don't know, what else can I possibly offer him to try and keep him from taking all the gems? Does he actually know that you have five? No, he's basically... He's basically just looked at the bag and demanded Oh, so he knows I have shiny things, he doesn't know how many. He's basically just demanded Ah. the bag. Would you like to attempt a sleight of hand check to hide one or two of the gems on your person? (laughs) Couldn't I just? Um, I couldn't just do deception. Oh, say no. roll, yeah. Oh and, yeah. Like, pull them. Just pull like two or three out Let's of the say bag. That's all you got. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Bob it. Well, yeah. Okay. That's a nineteen. You pull out two of the gems and you tell him that's all you found. That everything else in the pouch is your stuff. He thinks for a moment and he shrugs and he says, Okay! And he snatches the two gemstones out of your hand and he hands you the necklace. But then as soon as the transaction is done, he laughs and darts away down the cobblestone street trying to find some shade to escape from the heat. I'd like you to make an arcana check to identify your new possession. Uh, <laughs> that's a 16. To 16. It is, of course, a necklace of fireballs. However, the clasp is broken. Perhaps perhaps, uh, in the chaos that's just ensued, and there are only three beads left. Oh no. Oh, three beads for fireballs. How horrible. Suddenly, the whispering and muttering amongst the crowd falls silent and you hear a loud voice make way make way for the city watch the crowd begins to disperse and you see a city watch sergeant escorting a wizard looking fellow wearing a purple cloak with a long flowing beard as he makes his way through the alley using his staff as a walking stick. Once they reach the alley, they pause in front of the scattered bodies. The sergeant turns around, makes a hand motion, waving seven city watch members into Trollskull Alley. Two of them immediately take watch at the exit to ensure no one can leave, while the other five disperse and begin questioning onlookers. Um, I want to uh, approach the 
leader, I guess, and tell him what I've discovered and offer to uh, fly out and try to pursue. Very well. Or track. As you make your... Before you make your way over there, I would just like all three of you to quickly do a perception check. Uh, I almost missed stumbles. That's that's only a uh, six for me. I got fourteen. Oh, six. That's okay. It's a group parcel together. I say, Bobbit's Bobbit's probably too far engrossed just sitting there. If someone would appear down the alleyway right now, there would be a small child just lapping her ass up right now. So, Bob and Sir Lucian notice a shadow in the sky just above, all nearly blocking out the sun as it flitters past it. And you notice that lingering smoke from the fireball has attracted a griffin cavalry rider of the Lord's Alliance, who is just flying above the neighbourhood, keeping an eye out for suspicious figures. Doing such a good fucking job. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Ava makes her way (laughs) over to uh, the sergeant of the city watch, who is just stroking his chin as he watches the short uh, wizard poke at the bodies with his star that mutter quietly under his breath as he waves his hands above them. He sees you coming, Ava, and he looks at you. He holds out his hand, and he says, Return to your place of residence, citizen. You shall be questioned in due time. I ain't no citizen. Uh, I, I have, I've, I've questioned people around. I have information about uh, potential suspects. I'd uh, like you to make a persuasion check, please, with advantage, as at this point, Sir Lucian comes up behind you and shows his signet of the Lord's Alliance. Uh, 15 plus, what was it? Uh, persuasion. Persuasion. Uh, so plus three. He says he looks at you, and then he looks at Sir Lucian's Lord's Alliance insignia, and he shrugs. He he beckons for you to come and join him. You walk over, and he says, "My apologies. We're not quite sure what happened, and we're trying to keep order until we can establish some sort of." some sort of theory of just what happened here. He holds out his hand. He says, I'm Sergeant Seth Cromley and uh, this is Barnabas Blastwind of the Watchful Order of Magists and Protectors. That's a fantastic name. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Ava of the Emerald Enclave. He nods and as he points at Barnabas Blastwind to introduce him, Barnabas Blastwind does not look up, seemingly fully engrossed in his work as he pokes the dead gnome with the tip of his staff and mutters an incantation. Tickledy pickledy, tickledy pickledy pop. <laughs> Sergeant Cromley. He sounds useful. <laughs> Sergeant Cromley looks at you and he says, So, I. Uh, Take it you have conducted your own investigations already. Please tell me what you have learned. Um, 
I'll tell him everything I found out. Sorry, I, I suck at dialogue. Um, <laughs> you tell him. Uh, tell him. You tell him Sorry. that. Yeah. You tell him that witnesses saw potentially two assailants leaving the scene. A man who took something from the gnome and then scarpered out of the alleyway, and a man or a puppet who may have been present up on the rooftops who hurled something down into the street, with, which may have caused the explosion, and then darted away. Sergeant Cromley takes this in, and he nods, and he says, Ava, are there other members of your group? The Emerald Enclave do not usually work alone. Uh, yes. Have another two members nearby. Do you um, usher? Yes, Bulb. Before I come up, while they're talking, did you say that there were multiple people holding weapons when they died? Ah, uh, yes. The members of the Zentarum who were both holding longswords. Can I do like a insight check or something ah, yes. to see to try and figure out why they might have been holding their weapons ah yes go ahead and make an insight check uh, insights intelligence so i still get plus two. Oh no it's wisdom awesome i get plus three come nice. on that is an 18. based on their proximity from the gnome and the fact that their weapons are drawn you can imagine that it, it looks as if that they were pursuing the gnome. They were about to catch him and probably jump him with their swords when they were all caught up in this explosion. When Bobbitt was investigating the gnome, did he have a tattoo on him? Uh, he didn't see else? one. He Bobbitt did okay. not see one. Okay. Um, yeah, my apologies. Okay. You see uh, Ava beckoning for you and Wild Shape back into my form. <laughs> As you Wild yeah, Shape... Bobbit, I was going to say, yep. Bobbit just very quickly stuffs all of her things away quietly and then just walks over with a very big grin on her face. As you Wild Shape back into your normal form, the sergeant frowns at you. Meanwhile, Barnabas blasts with jumps and he looks at you with a look of astonishment and he says, Ah! Impressive and polymorphing a lost art these days. <laughs> Not quite polymorphs, sorry, wizard, but uh, <laughs> druid art of wild shape. He looks at you and he frowns and he brushes a hand in the air. He says, Bah! Inferior magics! And he goes back Whoa. to poking the corpse with his stick. You notice. need to take down his name and description. <laughs> yes, Barnabas Blastwind. <laughs> Uh, Ava quickly introduces you to him. And in the background, you can see Veska sort of frowning as she overheard that comment as well. And you know that she is a... And you know that she is something of a wizard herself. And what level do I get polymorph? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I know you do eventually I am, it, I am coming back. <laughs> yeah. oh, look, look, it's another known that we have to go and deal with later. The sergeant looks up at you and he says, Ah, the rest of your entourage. Members of the Emerald Enclave, all of you. <laughs> Sir oh, Lucian so shakes yes. his head. Sir Lucian shakes his head and says, Oh no, Lord's Alliance. Someone of my station would not be prowling around in the gardens. 
I cast Produce Flame in my hand it's and just like, tap his shoulder. Everyone's just glaring straight at him now. <laughs> yeah, no one asked you, Lucian. I said uh, there were two other members, not three. <laughs> you sit... <laughs> she doesn't include Sirline. Go back to bar now, Sirline. You sit his <laughs> shoulder and he looks at you and says, Oh, well, I never... He brushes the flame away and takes a step back. The sergeant... The sergeant just frowns as he sees this going on, and then Barnabas Blastwind hobbles over and he says, I've finished conducting my investigations. It appears the gnome was running from armed pursuers, of which there were three. The third person who was chasing the gnome isn't among the dead and may have survived. Everyone was killed by the aftermath of a fireball spell. Uh, most likely caused by a necklace of fireballs. At this, Sergeant Cromley looks around and he frowns and he says, Necklace of fireballs. He calls over one of the other guards members. He says, Keep a lookout. You're looking for a necklace of fireballs. It may have been the murder weapon. The guardsman nods. Well, why would they know if it got dropped? Like, wouldn't they assume that the, uh... Well, they're just looking for it. it. They're just looking for it, just in case it just may hoping. have dropped. Yeah. Hoping for luck. <laughs> the sergeant frowns as he watches his as he watches the guard member walk off and deliver his orders to the rest of the veterans, and then he looks at you and he says, "Hmm. Now, I may be hoping against all hope here, as it's likely the assailant scarpered with the murder weapon." But you wouldn't happen to have found this necklace of fireballs lying about anywhere, would you? Orb can honestly say, no, I haven't found anything. Nope. Mm, Bob hasn't seen anything exciting. I'd like Bobbit to make a deception check, please. <laughs> That's a 23, get stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> Bobbit is just doing the absolute best to just keep a straight face and not do the whole childish <laughs> Just stay very still to try not to do the whole, you know, like, childish of looking away or, like, anything else like that. Just, Just nope. the same as you say that. You see Sir Lucian out of the corner of his eye just looking at you. His eyes narrowed with suspicion, though he does not say anything. Eh, he's just grumpy about his boot. <laughs> yes, most likely. Sergeant Cromley says, very well. It appears, then... We have two possible assailants, one of whom has run off, the other who has gone across the rooftops, who may still have the necklace of fireballs. He says, now, I hate, I am loath to introduce more variables into a city watch investigation, but I notice that at least one of you is a member of the Lord's Alliance, which means that I may be able to ask for your assistance in this matter. Would it help if we meant, like, this is Bob actually saying this, would it help if we mentioned that we work with Narthal? Yes. You do, you do actually mention Narthal's name? Yes, I actually say those words to him. Name dropping. He sighs <laughs> and he says, Oh, that buffoon. Oh. He's been up... Good. We he's, think the same thing. He's been at the barracks this morning, filing paperwork. Figured out that he couldn't uh, make heads or tails of one of the badly handwritten witness accounts of one of our cases. Put his fist through a desk. 
and is now cooling <laughs> off in the cell we normally reserve for drunkards. Good to thing he brings his work professionalism to our out-of-work activities. <laughs> he breaks stuff with us, too. <laughs> he says, however... He says, however, I have heard good things about Sir Lucian here, who is a member of the Lord's Alliance, and as, as the city guard, uh, uh, as the city guard work under the guidership of the Lord's Alliance, I am permitted to bring you into this investigation. And the Emerald Enclave has assisted in some cases in the past. So, if there is anything that your faction may provide... Uh, we would not be remiss to say no. As he says this, Please. Barnabas Blastwind looks you up and down, and he looks towards the charred facade of Trollskull Manor. He raises a finger and he says, Would you happen to be the proprietors of this fine establishment? Well, that's no idea what that means, but yeah, that's our place. <laughs> he says, well... Perhaps I will let you know this. It appears that the gnome and his pursuers were making a direct beeline to this tavern. We're going to blow up Bubbit's stuff? He simply frowns. He says, I do not know what for, but it is likely they had some business to attend to. And he looks at you, frowning. He then says, well, I've learned all that I need to learn. He claps his hands and begin, uh, and tips his wizard, the brim of his wizard hat to the sergeant. He says, well, if you need me, I'll be back at the Order's Tower. The sergeant nods. He says, thank you, uh, Mr. Blastwind. If we need you, we will call for you. Blastwind hobbles away. The sergeant looks around. He whistles, calling in some of his townsfolk, calling in the townsfolk and the guardsmen. He says... The wizard has completed his investigation of the bodies. Prepare the bodies for transportation to the nearest temple, where they will be preserved. He then turns to you, holds out his hand as if waiting to be shaked. He says, and you can consider yourselves officially part of this investigation. Yay! Old looks at his hand, not knowing what he wants. Bobbit <laughs> high-fives him. <laughs> Bobbit, you high-five him, and then he looks at you, puzzled. He sighs, shrugs, pulls his hand away. He says, well, yes, Ava, Bob, Sir Lucian, I trust you will uh, I trust you will do your best and report any of your findings to the city guard post-haste. He says, now, if you'll excuse me, I must... If you'll excuse me, I must accompany the bodies to the nearest temple. Some of our... Um, uh, uh, yes, Bulb, what would you like to say? Bulb interrupts and goes, uh, If possible, could we know the uh, identity of the gnome when you find it out, please? He says, Ah, yes, sure. Uh... The city guard will be petitioning for uh, some speak with dead spells to be cast on the corpses when they are sent to the nearest temple. However, with all the paperwork that will file, you may not hear until tomorrow at the very soonest. That's okay. If we find out his name, we may know who he was and why he was heading to us. 
that is fair. However, Bulb, you are aware that the Emerald Enclave may actually be able to get someone to get this cast with Dead Spell done oh, now, if you would like to petition oh. them. I really wish that I could actually learn that as a spell. Bob says. I'm sure you would. Bob <laughs> says, um, with that wait time, would you perhaps mind if we go and petition the Enclave for spells earlier? He raises his eyebrows and he says, the Emerald Enclave would be willing to assist us in this capacity? Can certainly ask. Make a persuasion check with advantage, please. Fuck. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you got advantage, I, that's something. I had advantage when talking to the druid as well. Oh, yeah. That's okay, though, because that's a 19. Well, I'll be and up. a nat 1. <laughs> <laughs> Sergeant Cromley nods. He says, very well, then. I will tell the priests at the temple to preserve the bodies of the gentle repose and await the Emerald Enclave to come and cast the necessary spells. We appreciate your assistance and of course we will make you privy to any intelligence that is gleaned through this. We will make sure to um, contact you to make sure that you're there when the Emerald Enclave arrives. Thank you. Cromley nods, and then he escort. He he leaves Trollskull Alley with the rest of the guardsmen following behind him. Now that the chaos is over and the bodies have been removed, life surprisingly returns to normal quite quickly, and most of the onlookers soon disperse, returning quickly returning to their daily business of hiding indoors, waiting out the sweltering summer heat wave. Feels. <laughs> what would you like to do? You have several uh you have several things you may do. Well first of all, Bulb's going to send a message to the Emerald Enclave, I take it. I would probably go and in Visit person when well. we um eventually have time today, hopefully. Oh you can leave right now. Um the only Depending other, on what the others want to do, I mean. The only other leads you have are to try to search for these people who ran off, or uh, you can, knowing that uh, these people were running towards your tavern, and knowing that Bolo and his friends are inside at the moment, you do have a potential line of questioning there. Uh, oh, says... Um... Oh, would like to go to the Emerald Enclave, but to petition for this uh, speak with dead. But uh, Bulb can go by himself if you two would like to continue looking around the place to try and figure out what our next move will be. If we would like okay. to split our sources, you can come as well. I'm not saying don't. So Lucian saying... looks at you. He says, "I've already got scorch marks on my armor. I'll not be adding dirt." And then he steps away and enters the tavern. I was uh, grumpy sirloin. Sorry. So what I would was... you like to do, Ava and Hobbit? Huh. I was uh, going to see if I could find any evidence on the roof. Ah, that's yes. So you're going to flap your wings and 
fly up and do an aerial search. You're lower down than the Griffin Rider, so you might actually be able to see something. Meanwhile, Bobbit, what would you like to do? Um. Hmm. Excellent question. I'm not really sure what I could do here. Bobbit is very good at charisma. He might be able to ask questions. That is true. I could I could ask some of the people that are still around. Yeah, we and... can divide and conquer. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I will say though, Bobbit watches Ava fly on the roof and goes, Bobbit really wishes he could do that. <laughs> someday, someday. <laughs> someday, someday. Okay. So first of all, I would like Ava to please make a perception check with advantage. Right to my drink when you said that. Just the way you said it. <laughs> oh. uh, 13 plus... 4. So, Ava, you quickly... You fly around the alleyway, just examining the rooftop, seeing if you see anything out of the ordinary. And you do see something. The rooftop where the assailant may have thrown one of the necklace of fireball beads, you see what appears to be a piece of fabric sticking to a drainage pipe on the edge of a rooftop, as if someone was desperately trying to scramble over that pipe and got caught. You fly down and pull it off, and I would like you to make an investigation check, please. Oh, only four. All you can tell is that it's a piece of black fabric. However, on the inside mm, of it, yes, you see fabric. several splinters of what look like wood, as if they've just come off a piece of wood that's been roughly scraped against something. And on the outside of the fabric, you can see half of what appears to be some kind of insignia. You only know enough to determine that it's an insignia of maybe a religious organization and that's about it you can't glean anything else okay however you can you you can make a rough guess of what happened here that the person who threw the necklace of fireballs down into the street then attempted to scramble over this drainage pipe got caught and this is what resulted in them dropping the necklace down into the street they eventually managed to get away, but they tore their clothing and dropped their murder weapon. I just had an idea. Bulb, what is your idea? Um, would it be possible for me to wild shape into something that has like a really good sense of uh, smell? Well, like you've a done that before with, with, the, with yeah. the dog. Oh, yeah, yeah, it worked. Um, but I'm thinking more like a snake that can more follow one singular scent Maybe. and track any scents that ran away from the explosion. Maybe, but at the moment you're making your way to the end. No, yes. So, yes. Um, yeah. So as you make your way across town to the Emerald Enclave compound of Falconry, you head into the vast garden, make your way through the hedge maze, and you soon find the middle-aged half-elf Malinar attending to his usual business of trimming the hedges that line the maze and 
border the paths leading through the leading through Falconwraith's grounds. He greets is this man. Yep. Is this man like a higher level druid or like a senior member of the druid circle here? Yes. Or he's is all, he just Well you get all of he's basically your the lay eyes on between uh between the disembodied voice that inducted you into the enclave yeah, and he's, everyone he's else. Like, yeah, he's yeah, kind of like, yeah. He he's is, fairly high-ranking, yes. Yes, but yeah. he is a high-level druid. Okay. You would assume oh, so. He greets Greetings, you Mark. as you approach. He raises a hand and he says, Oh, I saw. Welcome. What may the enclave do for you on this uh, rather hot day? Greetings, Master. Um, I come after a... Uh, the word just fucking escaped me, Jesus Christ. Um, a catastrophe has occurred. I come just after a catastrophe that has occurred. Um, people have died in an explosion, and we are now me... Ava and Bobbit are now part of an investigation, and um, I was wondering if it would be possible to uh, petition someone for the use of speak with, speak with dead spells to question those who unfortunately were caught in the blast. Melinar smiles. He says, well, I could do it myself rather easily. But I have a lot of work today. The heat has not been kind to the plants in the garden, and furthermore, it makes the work I have to do all the more tiring. Perhaps you would like to assist me, young bold. Oh, uh, yes, I can always assist. Very well, bold. I, I would stress that time is of the essence to him. Yes. <laughs> time is of the essence, but here, I... Please. Don't mind using spell slots to try and help with my spells. Yeah, I was just saying, <laughs> you get the impression he is. Uh, you get the impression he's more referring to normal gardening work. However, if you would like to spend one spell slot, you may attempt a nature check at advantage to assist him. Uh, what level spell slot? Uh, Any one you like, just a spell slot. Yep, I will expend a first level spell slot and take that. Because I do have nature as a proficiency, so... Damn straight. He was hoping. Uh, that is a 14 plus 4, so that's 18. Lovely. So you use some of your druid druidic magic, and you assist Malinar with his task, trimming all of the hedges that line the falcon wreath maze attending to some of the fruit trees, pruning away dead branches. And in this sweltering heat, it is indeed tiring. You find, your, you find yourself drenched with sweat before the task is done, even though it only takes half an hour to complete. After you are done, Malinor surveys your handiwork. He clasps his hands together, bows his head. He says, I thank you, Bulb, for your assistance. Let us go now to the temple, and we shall conduct the necessary rituals. Okay. Yeah, uh, oh. That would be great, Master. Thank you. Um, 
So you don't, have, don't to have to accompany him, but if you want to accompany him, you sure can. Um, I may as well accompany him, um, to get, so that I know the first hand, the yeah. information. Yeah, that yeah, is, a bit. Yep. Plus it'd be good trading for you, of course. Yes, also, yeah, I'm, obviously, even during this catastrophe, I'm gonna take any chance to learn. Whatever you can. Whatever I can from a druid. Meanwhile, Bobbit, Sir Lucian, and Moon Moon are back at Trollskull Alley. What would you like to do, Bobbit? Just wander around and uh, talk to people about uh, what happened if they saw anything else apart or they know anything else about the uh, people involved. Very well. While definitely keeping her um, finding all her other findings to herself and that's the way definitely need to think of somewhere to put them <laughs> as you go around I suggest inside the wall yes <laughs> oh, I, Maybe inside I, have... <laughs> I was gonna actually say i'm pretty sure i know someone that can hold on to my stuff for me <laughs> <laughs> as you as you begin to question people try to find out anything try to use bobbit's cuteness to extract information Veska sighs and gets to work scrubbing away some of the scorch marks from the front of the tavern, while Sir Lucian heads inside saying, I need a stiff drink and I don't mind if I have to clear those bloody books out of the way to get it. Books back, you jerk. <laughs> Bobbit, I would like you to make a charisma check, just a normal one, please. Oh, okay. Ooh, lucky, lucky Bobbit, that's a, yeah, that's a 21. There aren't a lot of people left in Trollskull <laughs> Alley. On a day like this, everyone wants to be indoors. There are a couple of people who've remained outside, and you basically just flip back and forth between them, talking about how exciting this whole experience was for you and talking about how you saw someone run away over the rooftops and you saw someone sprint out of the alleyway after taking something from the gnome and how all of this mystery is just so exciting for you and you see a large built man he has the look of a blacksmith or some other kind of manual worker his overhears you gushing to someone else and he says I, young lass I saw that too I saw one of the men in one of the men in black armor lift something from that poor gnome and then scarper uh, some sort of stone a little trinket or something like that oh I like stones he says had a strange glow about it was obviously magical, though it ain't my business to pry around. Hmm. Hmm. After telling you this, he claps you on the shoulder, then wipes his brow with his sleeve, and goes into his blacksmith shop, pulling the door shut behind him. As you head back towards Trollskull Alley, I'd like you to roll a Charisma check again. That's a 23. You head back into Trollskull Alley, gleefully dancing past Veska as she 
scrubs away the scorch marks and heading towards your reading table where Sir Lucian has just shoved all of your books to the edge of the table yeah, and is... Bullets said she put all her stuff back before we left. Oh yeah, that's right, you did, yes. Mm-hmm. Where Sir Lucian has t- once again made himself comfortable in his booth. He's placed the red to the table to prevent any in front of it to prevent anyone from entering and is making his way through a flagon of ale. Meanwhile, Floon, Rainy and Neverember, Volo, and Mickey McGrood are hunched over their table, not touching their meals, but just discussing in whispers what happened outside. Okay. Just runs they, over and just sits at the table. They pull out a seat for you, and you take a sit. You, you sit down in front of them. Volo smiles. He reaches into his cloak and he offers you a piece of candy. Hard boiled mm. water Davian candy. Do you take it? Yes. He says, We saw Sir Lucian come in. He was grumbling about how you were pestering some of the witnesses outside. He says, But, young Bobbert, we all know that, uh, we all know that you like to conduct investigations of your own, and so we're all a little bit curious as to what exactly you have gleaned. Well, Bobber gives him the rough, well, pretty much the very quick and exciting ten-year-old uh, answer of uh, everything that's happened. As you, as you tell them what happened and they take it in and Mickey begins discussing possible theories, you eventually get to the topic of there being a dead gnome. At this, I'd like you to make a perception check, please. Uh, 13. Perception's not my strong suit. While you are excitedly telling your story, you notice Rainier Neverember open his mouth, his eyes flickering in recognition as he raises a hand to his mouth. Within a second, though, he quickly composes himself and picks at the boiled, picks at the fried eggs on the plate in front of him. Something wrong? I'd like you to make a persuasion check, please, Bobbit. Okie dokie days, persuasion. I think I can manage that. That's a 20 knot nat. It's that cute little, like, head tilt sort of deal that you get with some kids. His eyes go wide. He stutters. Uh, sorry, young Bobbit. You said there was a gnome out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He sighs. The, the, the police yep, people said he was meant the police people said he was coming here before he blew up. Oh, by helm. He sighs. He says, Well, I suppose the cat's out of the bag now. When the Lords of Waterdeep ousted my father and exiled him to Neverwinter, I thought his long dark shadow was finally gone for good. Truth is, I want nothing to do with him. I've already been kidnapped because the Zentarim thought I was in league with him and knew all of his secrets, and now this. One of his spies was hounding me, a gnome named Delicar, who'd been watching me for months. About a ten day ago, the spy was suddenly nowhere to be seen. My father didn't trust many people, but he trusted that bloody gnome. 
I spoke to a few of Delacar's friends. Apparently, he was on a special mission to retrieve the Stone of Galore and was afraid that the Zentarum and the Xanathar Guild were close to catching him. When he heard about my kidnapping, he wanted more information about the adventurers who had rescued me. I didn't tell him anything, and so... It seems he was inactive for all this time, but he must have found out about you somehow and knew that you were here. I think that his reason for coming here was that he was planning to pay you to deliver the Stone of Galore to my father in Neverwinter. He says, tell me, did he have any valuables, any money or anything on him that he may have used as a payment? Ah. Uh. He saw. Tell him, do I have. I was going to say, if Bobbit tells you, does Bobbit have to give you them? He says, well, by all accounts, he was going to give them to you to do his dirty work. So if you've <laughs> taken them, feel free to keep them. Bobbit found really shiny rocks on him. He sighs. He says, ah. well, so it's true then. The race for the Stone of Galore has ignited once again, and I thought we'd seen the last of it when you rescued me from that Zentarum warehouse. Floon Bagmar looks nervously. He nervously chuckles. He says, <laughs> I hope this isn't going to result in me spending days locked in a hideout in the sewers again just because I look like you. <laughs> I would just hopes that cat you lay out of the bag is okay. Blinky likes to eat the cats in the area. They sigh. We cross to Bulb and Melanor, who have come to the Temple of Lathander in the... Uh, I love Bob. In the... Sorry. Oh, sorry, what did you say, Bulb? You love Bob. No, sorry. Yeah, I was interrupted saying I love Bobbit, and then I said sorry for interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> you have accompanied Melanor to the Temple of Lathander in the North Ward, where all of the bodies have been prepared as you enter, a priest of Lathander greets you, and Malinor tells him what you were there for. The priest bows, he says, The morning, Lord, be with you. The bodies are lying in the morgue in the back room. A gentle repose has been placed over them, and they lie peacefully. Conduct your business, but please do not remove anything from the bodies, and do not disturb them. Um... Are there anyone from the town watch here? Bulb asks. The priest says, Not as of yet. We were told that you would be taking care of that, and that the town guard would acquire the information from you at a later time. Oh, okay. Fine, yep. I'm going to guess that the town guard's uh, headquarters are a bit far away. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's From okay. here, it would have. They've yeah. got other invest. They've got other leads that they want to uh, track yeah. down and paperwork they have to fill out. So basically, Plus when you offered, still yeah, when, when you offered to have the Emerald Enclave step in, they've basically delegated this entire lead to the Emerald Enclave. Okay. Okay. Yep. 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 And so you you thank the priest for his time and you step through the lavishly decorated, brightly lit 
Temple of the Morning Lord, and you feel that today the Morning Lord has spread a bit too much of his love, as you notice that the priests clad in their in their robes are all drenched in sweat and yawn tired as you pass. You enter the morgue in the back, an unlit, windowless room made entirely out of grey stone. The bodies are all laid out on their backs on stone on stone slabs lining the room. As you enter, a magical torch ignites, bathing the entire morgue in a green flame. The bodies are well preserved. Their wounds have been cleared up, but their eyes are lifeless, staring at the roof. Malinar begins to sit down and conduct his ritual, and you watch him for about half an hour. Eventually, the air in the room goes cold. The green candlelight flickers, turning blue. And you begin to converse with the spirits of the dead. Okay, so what questions, what uh, knowledge are you hoping to glean from speaking to the dead? Well, I would like to um, find out from the gnome um well one who he is because i wasn't privy to bob it yep um two um, how much can i ask um so you have about a minute before the spell wears off and malina uh is casting the spell one at a time on each body though he would be here all day if he had to do it for each for each and everybody. So he would like okay, you to well, nominate which bodies you would like to speak to. Perhaps a maximum of three. Okay, well, Bulb is really only thinking about asking the gnome and one of the... Zentara? Zentara. Um, so the gnome first. And what can I ask that will get a one-minute response? Who are you? Uh, what were you doing heading towards the drunken dwarf and what were you carrying yeah i would like to ask those three Very things well. could you stand in front of the gnome's corpse as the green candlelight flickers turns blue and suddenly hovering above the gnome's body is his spirit it looks around confused at first and then Realisation dawns, and its eyes widen as it remembers what happened and the circumstances of its demise. Wasting no time, you launch into your questions. I'd like you to make an investigation check, please. Okay, which dice is rolling better? Which dice is rolling better? This one. Investigation is intelligence. Oh, fuck. That's a seven. Yeah. Melanar may assist you. You may roll again. Okay. <laughs> okay, different dice. I was going to say, he's just watching going, maybe if That's I ask. much better. 19. Use those ones. 19. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Using that one from now on. <laughs> quickly launch through your questions. Time is of the essence. You make sure that you ask the right ones and word them in a way that will get you quick, snappy answers. You learn that Dalekar is his name. 
and that he stole an artifact called the Stone of Galore from the lair of a beholder known as Xanathar in a dungeon deep below the city. Delacar worked for the previous open lord of Waterdeep, Lord Neverember of Neverwinter, not Layrell Silverhand, the current open lord. The Stone of Galore is the key to finding a hoard of one million gold hidden somewhere in the city. Delacar heard about a group of adventurers who rescued Lord Neverember's son from the Zentarum and thought that the Stone of Galore would be safe in their hands for the time being. He was on his way to deliver it to them, planning to come back and reclaim it after he had looted his pursuers. Then, the fireball went off, he recounts, as he bows his head in sadness. Frightening to take take notes there, and I got name and stole the stone of Galore from Xanathar, <laughs> and that he was that he was working for Lord Neverember, the previous Lord of Waterdeep. That the stone of Galore oh. is the key to a thousand gold stashed somewhere in a the million, city, million, a million gold. gold stashed somewhere in the city, and that he was he... on his way to deliver it to you guys, knowing that you rescued Lord Neverember's son in the past. What key to hoard a one million gold and trusts us? Yes, <laughs> that would be. Probably shouldn't be trusting us with a million bucks. That just sounds like a terrible decision. He smiles. I feel like you could probably trust the three of us. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe not, Bob. Bob wouldn't know what to do with a million dollars. He uh, smiles ruefully at you, and then his spirit fades away, disappearing into if the afterlife. If I had enough time, I was going to ask if there are any next of kin that he'd like us to send word to. But that's what you sacrifice when you use this yep. spell. No, yep, fair enough. Um, Malinar okay. begins to cast the spell on one of these Zentarum bodies. He looks at you and smiles and asks, are you ready, my son? Um, yep, I'm just trying to work out what questions I'm going to ask next. I'm going to ask one of the Xenophar guild members. Um, where were they supposed to... No, it was the Zentarum. Yes, the Zentarum. Okay, uh, I'm going to ask one so of the... So the gnomes stole the stone from the Xanathar guild, and then and the, the Zentarum found out he got it, and we're coming to steal it from him, yes. Okay. Oh, was the guy on the roof Zentarum or Xanathar? Ah, good okay. idea. That is a question. That is well, we've a question. got part of the... Um, yeah, but the I don't know that. Um, okay, I'm going to ask the Centaurum Guild member. Um, did they have... Oh, no, but it was one of the Centaurums that actually got away with the stone. Yes, or so you've uh, been led to believe. That's what we've been led to believe. How many dead people, how many dead Zentara members are there in this room? Two. Two. Third one appears to have okay. gotten away. First question is, how many people were in his group? Second question was, if he answers three, I'm going to ask, where were they supposed to drop the stone off? Okay. Like, where were they supposed to take the stone, and do I want to try and get anything else in there? Mm hmm no, that should be okay. How many people were in the group? If there was three, where were they supposed to take the stone? If he answers two, I want to know if anyone in their guild uses a 
necklace of fireballs. Oh, okay. Very well. He, <laughs> Malinar casts the spell. The light flickers green once again, and soon the spirit of this Centaur member floats above the stone slab, looking down at you with a look of mixture of sadness and anger on his face. Roll investigation with advantage to ask your questions. Team plus two again, so that's 19 again. Lovely. Very well. I'll see what you get to uh, what you get to uncover. No, just... Uh... Are you cutting out? Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. I'll just readjust my headset. Just uh, <laughs> responding to someone no, in the chat. Bit, that's all. Oh, okay. Yep. 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 Uh, even, though, even though we only respond to text, I still shouldn't. Because yeah. it's now on Twitch. That's a whole second chat bar that I haven't been looking at, and I just noticed someone's in Twitch. So, uh, just saying hi to Apostle of Orcus, and saying we hope that you're enjoying the story. Yeah. Okay, so, you learn that the two dead Zentarum are named Bashek Ortalis and Wern Malcray. They were a group of three. The third member of their group being their leader, Erstel Floxen. The three of them currently resided at Grelhund Villa. Their job was to help catch a gnome named Delakar and to take an artifact from his possession, which according to Erstel Floxen would make them as rich as kings. They were then to drop this item off at their temporary hiding spot, Grelhund Villa where they are currently living, sheltered and funded by the Grelhund noble family. Mm. And with that... Oh, and your final question. And that the person who threw the necklace of fireballs was not known to them, though in his last moments... This unfortunate Zentarum operative managed to get a good look at it, at it and describes what he saw as a construct of a man made of wood, like a gigantic mm. marionette. Mm. He smiles at you. So there were three, but the third, the one on the roof wasn't one of them. Yeah. So, so the guy one. on the ground... Would was obviously the, the third member. Yeah. Okay. And Bulb, uh, as he says that, I'd like you to make a religion check, please. Religion. Uh, okay. Interesting. interesting. That's wisdom. That's intelligence. Really? Yep. I'm uh, guessing I'd because it means say. more what do you know about the religion yes. than yeah, are you religious. Yeah. No. yeah. Uh, wrong Fair dice. Enough. That's the one that's been rolling bad. Huh. Oh, fuck. An eight. An eight. Um, that's enough. The DC was funnily... Well, you do have Malinar with you, so would you like to do it with uh, advantage? Because he's listening to well, everything you're listening to. So go ahead. Yeah, it makes sense. I just realised Bobbit technically has almost a better religion stat with raw intelligence than Angus did in the last campaign. Too bad we don't have a paladin. <laughs> Uh, four, so yeah, it's uh, uh, eight. Is... Eight, very well. That will give you a little bit of information. 
Anything's um, better than that. Only this piece of information. After the spirit of the Zentarum fades away, you discuss what you heard with Melina, and this description of this giant marionette rings a bell, both to you and Melina. You sure you've seen them somewhere? And that's when Melina, who's been a long-time resident of Waterdeep, tells you that the description sounds very similar to the uh, nimble rites, the constructs that patrol the streets and parade during the Day of Wonders in the late summer. Ooh. This Day of Wonders is a day to celebrate Gond, the deity of invention and ingenuity. And the nimble rites, themselves being creations of the temple, show off various inventions that the followers of Gond have created throughout the year on this day. What an invention. Interesting. He smiles and he says, So, if it was indeed a nimble rite, then the temple of Gond might be a place worth your time to visit. Okay. And still have one more use, do I? Yes, you oh, do. I would like to use it on the third person and ask what um, defenses the villa has, or what traps, or... Very um, well. Um, so he casts the third spell. The light flickers green once again, and the third Zentarum operative awakens, hovering above you. Roll an investigation check with advantage. Actually, this time, roll a survival check, because you're talking about the layout of the villa grounds. And... Survival is wisdom, haha! <laughs> That's better than Excellent. investigation. Yes. Uh, one, but, you know... Hey, oh, better than nothing. Dice that rolled on the ground. Uh, that's an 11. The Zentarum operative, before he fades away, has just enough time to tell you that the villa... The villa's defences primarily consist of a retinue of guards in the employ of the Grell Huns, high walls to prevent unwanted passers-by, and, and the city's lower class from peering into the grounds, and whispered amongst himself and the other Zentarum operatives that were staying there, demonic rituals that are in place to defend the Grell Huns, and that the Grell Huns themselves have ties to demonic forces. Oh. Well, isn't that something? I think I've got pretty good information out of this. Mm. Yes. And so with that, would you like to uh, return to Troll Skull Manor and regroup? I would like to escort... Oh, what's his name? Malinar. Malinar. That's it. I would like to escort Malinar back to the Onward Enclave. And you, then head back. As you escort Malinar back to Falcon Reef Gardens, he places his hand on his shoulder and he says... You asked wise questions, my son. I can see the wisdom slowly blossoming within you. You will make a wonderful druid one day. Oh. Oh. 
flying high for the rest of the day, no matter what the fuck happens. Understands <laughs> <laughs> that feeling. And then, after you have returned him to Falconmere to Falconreath Gardens, you return to Troll Skull Alley. It is now mid to late afternoon. The high noon sun hanging high in the blue sky. The heat having subsided just a little, but the humidity bearing down on you as it appears. Reams of moisture settle as a thick unseen mist in the air. You return to Troll Skull Manor and the three of you, the four of you including Lucian, sit down and inform each other of everything you have discovered. And so now, with this information at hand, uh, what would you like to do? Um, I suppose well, we'll have to update the city guard with what we know. Yeah. What uh, What time of the day is it? Sorry. It's about three thirty in the afternoon. Your investigations took most of the morning and early afternoon. I oh. would say that if we were to go and. Hell, go to the city guard, that would probably be the last thing we do for the day, because they'd probably want yeah. to question us. You don't have to, you don't have to, um, you don't have to report into them straight away. The priests yeah. at the Temple of Lathanda will pass on the information that you gleaned. Oh, that is true, that is well, true. I would still like to report to them myself, but... Um, you do have more leads that you can uncover, if you'd like to hold off on reporting to them. Interesting. Did I'm gonna guess that Ava did actually show us the scrap of cloth? Did you, Ava? Yeah. Okay. I would like Bulb and Bobbit to do religion checks, please. Uh, thirteen. Uh, I got fifteen. Thir- fifteen. Bulb, you recognise the partially complete insignia on the fabric as being the insignia of the House of Inspired Hands, the local temple to Gond. That is a fantastic standing religion name. That really is. Um, it may have come from there, but seeing as it is close to the end of the day, I would like to, if everyone else agrees and would like to accompany me, um, Turn into a giant snake and try to track the scent trail. Uh, of I see the where it's actually going as opposed yeah, to it's... where we think it might be from. Very well. So that, that will be sense. your second use of wild shape for the day. Yes. Yep. You turn into a snake and the others follow you out into Troll Skull Alley as you slither along the cobblestone. Would like you to do a survival check, please. Makes enough sense that someone may be manipulating these things for their own purpose, because no other reason. They are constructs, so. Yes. Uh, that is a fourteen. A fourteen. Okay. You pick up two scents, but we'll probably only have the time to follow one of them. The first is the scent of the Zentarum, who fled to the north. The second is a slightly earthy scent that seems to be a mixture of varnished wood and smoke heading to the south. Um, 
I can't exactly talk to the others to ask their opinion, but I personally would think follow the uh, construct to the south. Was it the south was the construct? The south, yes. Yeah. Um, because Bulb just assure, just thinks that an injured Zentarum agent would go to where they know they have safety, which would be the It's a good villain. assumption. So, so spend... can I make a... Can I try and make a symbol out of my body of the um, House of Inspired Hands to symbolise that that's where I'm going? Very well. Uh, I, I would talk with animals. Ah, Ooh. yes. Oh, she well, can yeah, if you want to use that to talk to me, then... Yeah, that is... <laughs> that's so, handy. Ava, are you happy to use a spell slot to talk directly to Bol? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so speak with animals. Yeah. Okay, so you speak with Bulb, and he tells you that he can confirm that the Zentarum head to the north, but being wounded, you suspect that he's already heading back to Grel, back to Grelhund Villa, and so there's no real need to follow him. The construct, however, is heading south, and you know that this is the general vicinity of the Temple of Gond. And Bulb wishes to follow that scent to the south, probably winding up at the temple, the House of Inspired Hands along the way. I was just kind of sitting there, minding her own business, maybe has a small book on her just to read while everyone else is talking. Because Bob has no idea what's going on in this conversation. So Lucian says, let us visit this temple and see what manner of crazy contraptions they have to offer. Veska mm. glares at him and says, Hmm, I once heard something about a gnome with crazy contraptions. Uh, I understood that reference. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, shit. So what would huh? you like... To, uh, so, Ava, would... Uh, seems to be up to you. Would you... Do you agree with Bulb, and would you like to follow him to the south, to the Temple of Inspiring Hands? Yep. Alright. So, Bulb, as you are a snake, and you are following the scent down into the North Ward, to the House of Inspiring Hands, I would like you to please make another survival check with advantage. Yeah, 15 plus... 15 plus, yep. 15 plus 2, so... 15 plus 2, okay. 17. 17. Okay, so you follow the scent, wending through the cobblestone streets, and it seems as if the construct made a direct beeline to this temple, did not stop for detours along the way, and the path you follow pretty much directly leads you to uh, leads you to Sea Watch Street in the Sea Ward. The main street that runs through Sea Ward. And by the time you reach here, this you see the sun ever so slightly beginning to lower in the sky as sunset is just on the horizon. 
do you approach the temple? Uh, I would just like to make a quick amendment. I'm not a giant snake. I am just a normal, a normal constrictor snake. snake. Yes. Yeah, I forgot that giants are too high a CR, but a yeah. normal constrictor is 1-4, which I can do. Um... Ew. Yep. Ew. Would you like to approach the... Before you approach the temple, would you like to shift back into your normal shape, or...? How long has it been since we left the house? Like, how long did it take us to get here? About an hour and a half. Yeah, I have to wild shape back anyway. Alright, Because yep. I only have an hour and a half of use, so... Would anyone like to do anything before you approach the temple? Bye. If we would like to scout it out, I can cast Pass Without tra Trace on us. You could, but... You could, it's entirely up to what the group wants. Um, it, This is a yeah. temple, so... Like, it's a public oh. place. Well, we could just go in. It's entirely up to you. What does Bobbit think? Mm. Sir Lucian notices you all commiserating, and he raises, he, he reaches for the hilt of his sword, and he says, Bah! Enough with this paranoid tattoo! And he starts to walk down the street. Robert, uh, um, if we were to go in, do you think you could ask them if they had any of their constructs malfunction recently? Or disappear, or... That would be a good question to oh, ask. No. Mm -hmm. But we can do that. Alright. So you slowly walk up the street. You walk down... Sea Watch Street towards the House of Inspired Hands. The House of Inspired Hands looks like a cross between a temple and a workshop. The symbol of Gond, toothed cog with four spokes, is displayed prominently. As you approach, you see the silhouette of a humanoid shape perched on the rooftop. As he sees you approach, he extends an arm opening a wooden crate next to him. The lid of the crate flips down, and three tiny metal balls roll out of it, sailing off the rooftop into the air. As they sail through the air, the balls begin to unfurl into metallic insects, and they land on the street, cracking the cobblestone as they dig in. I'd like you all to roll initiative, please. Ah, so we're not welcome here, it seems. It's well, just rude. Well, that's just rude. Oh, that's also well, a... This is even more rude. That's a four. Oh, I got a 15. <laughs> four for Bob. 16 for Bobbit. A 15. At least we weren't surprised. Bobbit. I'm happy that we weren't surprised. No, you're surprised. not surprised. True, true that. You were approaching with enough caution. Ooh, um, Ava, 23. 23. Well done, Ava. Yes. If we weren't surprised and we were, and so we had enough time to see him, could I do a perception check just to see if he's missing part of his robe? Uh, yes, Before you may. Started? Yes. Would you like oh. to? Would you like to quickly do a perception check? Yes, please. Clever boy. Uh, come on, come on. It's a twelve. In the chaos, as oh no, wait, the... thirteen. Sorry, because. 
Perception is wisdom. In the chaos, as the metallic insects unfurl in the street, you look around, you look up at the roof. The street is deserted, save for you and the insects. There are no passers-by. They're all indoors, shutting up for the night, escaping the heat. The city guard is not here. And you catch enough of a glimpse of the uh, humanoid to notice that it appears to be a wooden man wearing a black cloak. However, his cloak appears to be fully intact. As soon as the insects unfurl in the street, he gathers up the wooden crate and disappears over the edge of the rooftop. Uh, not our boy. Okay, so this I'm... one does not seem to be the one that... I could follow him straight away. You could. You could. Um, it's Bulb entirely says... up to you. Bulb says after seeing this, this one does not seem to be the one that attacked at the front uh, of the bar, but if that is the case, this might be Here is the map, a larger so conspiracy. Or well, not a larger conspiracy, but uh, more than just one. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's less of a malfunction and more of a seems to be more of an active attack. Yes, as it were. The the ins the metallic insects unfurl. Dig this. Dig the spines that serve as their legs into the cracked cobblestone, and their mouths begin to froth with acid as their eyes glow red and they begin to scuttle towards you. Ava, you are up first. What would you like to do? Um, I was gonna ask if they wanted me to pursue the puppet or not. Well, if Sir Lucian's here, uh, it, uh, we do have someone who can tank, especially if I'm healing him. Hmm. Um, it probably might not be a, such a bad idea. Just don't and... get knocked unconscious while you're away from me. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, so, Bol yells out his affirmative at your question. Alright, so what would you like to do, Ava? Um, I'll start, I'll fly up and uh, start trying to pursue the yep. assailant. So you fly right up into the air, and I'd like you to make a perception check, please. Uh, just a sec. Thirteen. You see the assailant running away from you, hobbling in stiff motions like a puppet. He reaches the end of the rooftop where there is a loose floor tile. He lifts it up and descends into the hole underneath, pulling it shut behind him. So he's actually gone inside of the temple. Mm, okay. You still have movement left. Would you like to attack an enemy? Well, I guess I have to now. Um... I'll attack the closest one. Clockroach number two? Sure. What would you like to do to it? Oh, clockroaches! Um, oh, that is so cute! That's, yep. that, that's what they're called? Clockroaches? That is yes. awesome! Sorry, Avery, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. So what would you like to do, Ava? Um, I'll hit them with my um, With your sword? sword. Alright, go ahead. Roll to hit. That's so cute, Clockroach. 14, that's a hit. Roll your damage. Alright, there's that. 
So that's ten. Ten? Okay, for your um, first just weapon. A sec. Yep, go ahead for your second one. Uh I'll do an extra D four of psychic damage. Yep. Wait, would it have Um it is not damage? it is not immune to psychic damage. You can go ahead and do that. Alright. Mm. So that's three. That's three. Okay, so first of all... So that's 13 all up. 13 all up. Okay, so it was three psychic damage. Yeah. You lash out with your psychic damage. Boom! A wave of force hits the clockroach. It flips over and begins whirring its gears as, it, as its little legs scuttle in the air. It eventually flips back the right way up and it takes four points of damage as uh, all bludgeoning, piercing and slashing from non-magical attacks only deal one damage to it. Oh. oh. Well, what a shame. If only we had someone that definitely doesn't need that to be an issue. <laughs> okay. Um... It is now Sir Lucian's turn. Um, oh, yep, you still got your other weapon, don't you? Yeah, but I can only deal psychic damage uh, once per turn. But you can uh, still so get yeah, another. You can still hit it for another one point if you want. Uh, yeah, I suppose. Better than nothing. Hey, you never know. It might only have five health. <laughs> I'm an yeah, optimist, you, okay? You never know. <laughs> Nine. Nine. Unfortunately, your second sword glances off its metallic carapace. It is Sir Lucian's turn. He rushes up to Clockroach number one. And he attacks it. And he hits. And as he hits it, he spends uh, one of his... Actually... He spends one of his superiority dice to use goading attack. His goading attack maneuver. He adds the superiority die to the weapon's damage attack, and his superiority die is eight. So he deals an additional five damage, so that's six damage altogether he's dealt to it. And now, Clockroach number. Clockroach number three must make a wisdom save, which it passed, unfortunately. And if it failed, it uh, would have had to attack Sir Lucian only. Uh, dang. Okay, it is the enemy's turn. Clockroach number two spits a stream of acid at Ava, hissing as the acid leaves its mouth. Ava, I need you to make a dexterity saving throw, please. It spits a stream of damage. Oh dear. Clockroach number three scuttles towards Bulb and makes an attack with its pincers. Good, now you're all in my view. Oh no. <laughs> and it hits for nine. Bulb deflects it with his sword. 
knocking its kids out. I thought you said that it hit me for 9 damage no, without no, no. even rolling to it hit. Only, yeah. No, it okay. hit, rolled 9 to hit you. Bulb yeah. deflected Ooh. with... You'd knock its pincers out of the way with your scimitar. It is Clockroach number 3's turn, and it bites at Sir Lucian with its pincers. So Lucian quickly deflects it with his shield as it bites uselessly at the metal. It is Blinky's turn. Hooray for Blinky! Blinky hovers up to Clockroach number two, just in view of it, and he makes an eye ray attack. Go and roll the eye ray attacks, please, Bobbit. Okay. Wait, do we have to roll the hit or just roll with eye just rays? Roll, just roll his eye rays. Okay, we have ourselves a one and a three. Ooh, I like three. A one and a three. Okay, so the one is a dazing ray. Clockro the clockroach must succeed on a DC 12 wisdom save or it is charmed. It fails. It is charmed. It may not attack Blinky. A damn. <laughs> And, and the, the next three one was the frost ray. Was the frost ray? It must try to succeed on a dexterity on a DC twelve dexterity check, and let us see if that succeeds. That is oh. a success. Blinky's frost ray sails past it, freezing some of the cracked cobblestone. Okay, Bobbit, it is your turn. Okay, Bobbit well, has been staring, staring. Dari-eyed, there's a fucking mouthful, at these things the entire time they're going, so... But reluctantly going to throw an Eldritch Blast at one of the already damaged ones to see if she can take it out. Yep, so, so would very much like to find out how these things are made. So she wants one. So Clockroach 1 is on the lowest health because of Sir Lucian's goading attack, but Clockroach 2 is down 4 damage. So it's up to um, so you. There's one down 6 damage and one down 4 damage. It's up to you. I might go for the one that's uh, the one that's down four, I think. Alright, so the one the that's next one. to Ava. Go ahead, make an Eldritch Blast roll. And there's a 16 hit. A 16 hits, roll your damage. Solid. Where's my D10 at? That's a 10 plus 4, so that's 14 points of force 14 damage. 14 points of damage. That, that's magic, so you take all of that. Yep, you fire the Eldritch Blast at the Cockroach, at the Clockroach, flipping it over onto its back. Its gears whir, and then sparks begin to, begin to spray forth. It begins to shake, and then BOOM! It explodes. Ava, I need you to- Oh. Oh, she's gone. Oh, she's back. There we go. Sorry, Ava, he made it explode in your face. You need to do a deck save. Didn't mean it. Yeah, he didn't mean to. Bobbit didn't mean to. Yeah, this isn't like Thunder Wave. This was a complete accident. Bobbit didn't know they blow up when they die. Oh, thank God. She passed. Okay, boom! You fly up. You feel the flames graze your graze the tips of your feathers, but you take no damage. Okay, Bulb. Uh, wait, Moon. it is Moon Moon's turn. She steps forward into the street and fires a ray of frost at Clockroach number one. And unfortunately, her ray of 
frost is way off and just sails over the roof of the nearby building. Bulb, it is your turn. Okay. Uh, did Bobbit hit it with a... He um, did, he hit it with... Blast? He did, and he destroyed it. So you know that these things have less than, like, 20 HP. And that they explode. Yes, when they are destroyed. And I'm guessing explosions take a lot of damage. They may or may not. Ava was luckily not hit by it. Um, I'm gonna cast Scorching Ray. Yep, on which one? Uh, three rays of light. So, two rays of light for the one that's least hurt. So, cockroach yep. number three, three and one for cockroach number one. Very well. Go ahead and make your ranged spell attack. Okay. Blue, my metal dice is for cockroach number one. That's just for me. Uh, okay, so cockroach number one, I rolled a, uh, a spell attack bonus plus five, uh, an 11. An 11? That does not hit, unfortunately. Okay. That ray uh, just sails over it and into the nearby alleyway. And the two that are going for cockroach number three are 17s. Those both, both 17. hit. Go ahead and roll your damage. Okay. Uh, I just need to find the Scorching Ray spell so that I can... Burning hands, no. Sorry, I did have it, but it's not... It's a why is it not here? Okay. Gotta look it up. Hit the target, take 2d6 fire damage. So. 3d6, so go ahead and roll that. Uh, 2d6 each. 2d6. So, yep, so just Clockroach 4d6 for this one. 4d6 for Clockroach 3. Oh, that's a 11, 12, 13 damage. 13, just enough to kill it. Oh, Your scorching oh, rays hit it, it flips over, and its gears were very, very fast. <laughs> Boom! I'd like Bulb and Bobbit to please make deck saves. Sorry, Bobbit, but, you know, needs must and all that. Uh, 16. I failed. Okay, Bobbit yeah. is fine. Bulb, you take... Six points of fire damage Yeesh. as you are singed from the explosion. And it, it is now Ava's turn. Uh, sorry. Uh, yep. Yeah. It's, just, it's your turn. Yeah, I can't um, zoom in on the map on my phone, unfortunately. Ah, I'll zoom in. Uh... And... I'll try to zoom in further so you can... So you're um, here. The one that, and there's one here. Do I have anything magical? Do you have any ranger spells that deal damage? We do have your psychic strike. Yeah, I'm so trying So you're guaranteed to, to get that off. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, what your spells are. Was my staff once it got enchanted a magic item yes it is yes would you like to fly past me grab my staff and hit it with my staff i want to look up zephyr strike first all right okay, I'm, yep. I'm just going to look up zephyr strike for you 
Uh, In Bob is just sad that these things keep exploding. Yeah, Bob would have loved to have taken. Yeah, Bob would just keep seeing them explode. Go, yeah, Bob would have called you. So, Kitty, Zephyr Strike. While you're moving, your movement doesn't provoke opportunity attacks. And once yeah, before, I'm reading it. Yeah, yeah. So that will actually. And I'll do. Work. Yeah, I'll do. Um, I'll do that. Yep, but that's, that's a, a bonus, bonus action, action, so you can just attack with your normal weapon, and then you fly um, over. Yep. And it is now flanked, so you get to roll with advantage to hit it. Yep. Just a moment. Uh, so 10 plus uh, 6, so 16. 16, that's a hit. Alright, so, um, do I, should I still roll my normal damage? Is there a uh, point? Well, the normal damage will be 1, but you can roll your Zephyr yeah. Strike damage. Uh, I'll do my Psychic damage as well. Yep, so it's down, so... It's down 7 with your 1 damage. Do your Psychic. So, two psychic damage. Two psychic damage, it's down nine. Okay, so if your Zephyr Strike deals more than deals four or more damage, you destroy it. Ooh, four. Lucky. Four, lovely. And like the others, it flips on its um, back and its gears get because stuck. Because I know yep. it's going to do that, can I do a deck save to With fly it, out first? Yes, you could do a dex you could do your deck save here with advantage to escape from the blast. So Lucian's gonna do his. I did it in nat 20. Nat 20, so you're fine. So Lucian is not, and he takes four points of fire damage as he's blasted onto, he, onto the cobblestone. That is the end of combat for now. You are free to um, enter the temple or survey the surroundings. Before we go in, and before we go in what, was there any, like, pieces of this thing left, or is it just completely gone? Oh, there's... Gears, springs, bits of scrap metal. Not enough, I'm guessing, not enough to try and fix one, is there? No, no. I will shed a small tear and wander off. Just go with everyone else inside. Alright, so is there anything you'd like Bulb. to do before you enter the temple? Yes, Bulb? Bulb wonders whether, out loud, whether we should go in or get... The guard. The guard at this point might be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because we can go in by ourselves, but we now have... Well, not not evidence, because there's no witnesses, because everyone was going home at the time, but we now have reason to believe that the uh, House of Inspired Hands might not be a friendly house. That is true. And as you... As you discuss this, you hear the loud creak of the wooden... large wooden doors flanked with golden edging of... the front entrance of the temple begin to open, and... Am I ready a reaction? Ready a reaction. Cast a spell in case someone tries to hit us. You all turn and look, and as the doors swing open, 
you see a blonde-haired female gnome. As she looks at you, she crumples up her face in puzzlement. She looks and sees the remains of the cockroaches in the street. And then she sighs and she says, Oh, that's nimble, right? He attacked you, didn't he? Yes. Uh, yes. The way you say this does not fill me with confidence. This has happened before, hasn't it? She says he's taken to throwing his creations down into the street at anyone who approaches the temple looking, uh, in his words, shifty. We come inside and talk. She beckons for you to come and join her, ushering you past the doorway into the temple and then pushing the gold-edged doors shut behind you. The Temple of Gond is open and abuzz with activity, even at this semi-late hour. There are acolytes running back and forth, going about their business, priests engaging in religious ceremony, and throngs of revelers and townspeople filling the main hall of the temple, which holds two dozen marble pedestals. Each one of these marble pedestals bears a prize-winning invention or model of some extraordinary creation created by the temple or its acolytes. Uh, the priest, the female gnome, ushers, ushers you in, and as you take in the scene before you, she holds out a hand, holds out a hand in greeting, and she says, I am Valletta, I am the chief priestess of this establishment, or, as we are known here, by the title Tinkerers. So, if one of your people were responsible for rogue one of these things, the death of two small children would be on your hands. She frowns and she says, she frowns and she says, I know that Nim has taken to doing things that the temple would not advise of, but you say that there is death involved. She says, please, we must get to the bottom of this. Come to me, we will go directly to Nim right now. Okay, and, she begins, and she begins to lead you through the main hall, past the acolytes and the onlookers. As she walks, would any of you like to try and get a look at any of the things on display? Well, Ava's uh, always oh, yeah. looking around. Yeah. Bob likes likes the, likes these things. Um, so, while they're looking, Bob would like to try and do an insight check to make sure that we're not being led into that trap. Fair. Yes, very well. Make an insight check, please, Bob. Fuck's sake, stop rolling sixes. Uh, that's an eight. The determin yeah. the determination and hint of anger written on Valletta's face gives you the impression that she is genuinely surprised that her nimble right may have been involved in something that led to someone's death, and furthermore, she's angry about it and wants to get to the bottom of this. Ah, uh, good. Yeah, a nine would have changed anything, but I just realised it's a nine, but... 
That's what your yeah. insight check has gleaned. I would like Ooh, Bobbit. Okay. I would like Bobbit and Reva to please make perception checks. Ava, please, to make perception checks as they walk through the main hall. No. Can we can we do investigation or is it just perception? Oh, you could, well, you're just trying to catch a glimpse at them. It's oh, fair enough. Perception. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. I got a seventeen. <laughs> you see. You see several things on display. You don't have time to stop and look at them as Valletta briskly walks you through the main hall, but you can catch a glimpse of a couple. A wooden flying machine that has wings that flap when it becomes airborne, hovering about a foot off its pedestal. Ava, do you have a particular reaction to this false bird? Oh. Sorry, I didn't hear all of that. You see... You see a uh, wooden flying machine that has leather and metal wings that flap as it becomes airborne and hovers about a foot off its pedestal. Seeing this machine that flies, this this mockery of bird kind, do you have any reaction, Aifa? I'm very curious about it. <laughs> um, and I ask about it, I guess. You stop Valletta and you ask and you point and she says, Not now we have- Oh, oh, that thing, oh! Oh, the flying machine, ah, yes, uh, it's simply enchanted with a levitation spell and the mechanisms within. She quickly dive- quickly divulges into a very technical explanation of how the machine works that's very hard to follow, but I would like you to please make an intelligence check. Okay. Liam, can you wait, like, two seconds? Uh, intelligence check. Yes. Okay, sorry. I was having trouble thinking. That's okay, we're nearly done. We've only got half an hour left. (laughs) Or thereabouts. Alright. Fourteen. Fourteen. All you are able to glean from it is that it's some machine, and if someone sits in it and pulls a lever, it will fly, carrying them. It's sort of structured like a barrel, and you sit in it, and the leathery wings seem to operate more like dragon or bat's wings, instead of like bird wings. You think I make people fly? (laughs) Yeah, you just say it's weird, and then you continue walking. Uh, Bobbit. I was, I was going to say, did you say that thing can fly? Oh, I can make other people fly? Yes. Bobbit makes a mental note for later. <laughs> Bobbit, you see a miniature model of a mechanical dragon turtle in a pool of water. It has a brass plate affixed to its pedestal that reads, Big Belchy sank in deep uh-huh. water harbour on the Day of Wonders 1363 DR. There is fine print at the bottom of the plate. And which reads, the design of this vessel was based on a dragon turtle that guards the Choltian harbour. Oh, oh, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, quick question. I, I know this is technically going to Bobbit's minor backstory a bit and no one else really knows this, but would Bobbit have any memory of this thing on the way... I'd like you to make, an, in- like you to make an intelligence check, please. 
And there's my nat 20 for the goddamn day. <laughs> you remember a vague memory, and it seems almost as if it comes from a different life of sailors telling tales in whispers about a dragon turtle stalking the harbour that you must pay it tribute if you wish to pass unharmed, and of the hubris of those who refused, who now rest at the bottom of the Choltian Peninsula. Mm. As you try to focus your memory to read, to gather more information, you hear Mr. Stick's voice. No! Do not dwell on things from before, and you are almost forcibly ejected back into the present. Ah. Finally, Bulb, as you make your way through, you notice a helmet. The brass plate describing it as a waking helmet. And it appears to be equipped with small articulated metal arms and hands that gently slap the wearer if he or she were to fall asleep. Okay. <laughs> Bulb <laughs> raises an eyebrow and keeps walking. <laughs> That's certainly a thing. Finally, you are brought to the edge of the main hall. Valetta reaches into her cloak, pulls out a set of keys, and unlocks another gold-edged door. She pushes it open and ushers you inside, and then pulls the door shut behind you as you all begin to climb a staircase leading to the upper floor, which Valetta says is the chambers and personal rooms of the clergy. She leads you down another hallway, past several bedrooms and a library, until she comes to a wooden door at the very end. She reaches for the doorknob, pulls it. The door does not budge. She frowns and she says, That bloody nimble right. Seems he's figured out how to put a lock on his door. She takes a step back. And she says, now, if I could remember where the D-locker has been put. She begins to recite her daily routine to herself, as if trying to remember where she placed the instrument that will allow her to break the lock on this door. Is the lock magical at all? It is, is it not. A, it appears to just okay, be a well, normal lock. Bob, it's just going to cheerfully walk up. Well, actually, I'll do two things. First things first, in case there's a... Uh, confrontation, Bobbitt would like to start using her cheerful song cantrip, which would give, uh, I'll go, Sir Luthen, well, pretty much everyone but Bobbitt can have a uh, temp one temporary hit point and a plus one bonus to their next attack roll saving throw ability check. Ah, oh, lovely. And also pull out my, you know, Bobbitt's Thieves tools and start playing with the airlock. Lovely. Okay, make a Thieves' Tools check, please. And Valletta just watches with amusement as you pull the Thieves' Tools out and insert them in the lock. Yeah, yeah. just have, like, yeah, just this nice little humming tune going, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's a 13. As you the jiggle lock. the Thieves' Tools, Valletta looks at you and she says, uh, I think if you were to take the circumference of the outer lock and then apply degree, apply a pressure of perhaps 30... 30 degrees, and then there's a loud click, and the door swoops open. And mid-sentence, she's cut off, and she says, Oh, that, that will work. She gestures with her hand for you to 
move into the doorway on the other side of which there is a staircase leading up to the third floor of the temple. You climb up the staircase, Valletta walking behind you, and at the top of the staircase there is a wooden trap door. It is currently shut. What do you do? Uh, um, can I do an arcane check to see if I detect any magic at all? You, like, you, not determine what magic it is, but just see if I can feel well, any magic. You could cast detect magic, and then if you know there's magic, you would use an arcana check to find out what it is. No, it doesn't, no detect magic tells me what type of magic. Oh, okay, you do an arcana check then, yes. Arcana is something I have in proficiency in. Yay! Uh, that's a 14. Yes, you detect a magic emanating from the trap door. Some kind of glyph or energy field that will activate if you were to push the trap door upwards. What kind of field was it, sorry? Some sort of glyph or field of energy that would be triggered if you were to push the uh, trapdoor upwards, but you don't know what it will do unless you cast Detect Magic and find out what kind of magic it is. Um, do I want to waste a first level spell? Because oh, yeah. I don't think... Uh, you can cast it as a spell, otherwise it's a ten minute ritual, and I don't... I mean, you, you can see if you have ten minutes. Whatever's on the other side of the trapdoor may have time to here. Mm, well, that's the thing. If the nimble right pierce is coming for it, it might just, you know... You will you will leave. get a long rest at the end of this session, I will point out, because the day will be over. Yeah, but I'm worried about it. If there's a fight and I don't have enough spells to heal everyone. That's true. Uh, I ask everybody, do you guys think we have ten minutes for me to detect what kind of magic will activate? Valletta says, wait, what, magic? She looks up at the trap door, closes her eyes, raises her hand, and she says, that damn nimble ride is too smart for its own good. She says, I say we have all the time in the world. Go ahead. And she descends to the bottom of the staircase, plonks herself down on the bottom stair and just hums absentmindedly. Okay, well, okay, while we're waiting, as a ritual, then. I was going to say, while you start doing that, Bob, it's going to go downstairs and start um, asking her about the, um, uh, what was it? The clock nimble roaches? Right. No, no, the clock roaches, because Bob oh, wants to know how to, how, love Bob wants to know how to make one, or at the very <laughs> least, how to get one. <laughs> okay, so you head down, you sit beside her, you lean over and you say, Hey, what about hmm. the clock roaches? Bob likes those. And she looks at you and she says, Oh, the, wait. You mean to say he threw clockroaches down at Earth? Oh, this nimble right's getting dismantled when I get my hands on him. She says those things cost a pretty penny to make. At least 500 gold apiece. Not to mention the weeks and weeks of work. Aww. I was hoping that'd be easier than that. She says, you're an inquisitive one, aren't you? Like, Baba's recently learned the magic of learning. 
Now it's just to learn everything. She smiles and she says, Hmm, well, Gond does like ingenuity. Maybe, perhaps when you're done with your business here, come back and I'll be happy to induct you and show you some of the more simple tinkering techniques. Robert's eyes just gleam at this information. And so, in a, at a later point, at the next downtime we get, uh, you learn to become proficient with Tinker's tools. Holy shit, yay! Bulb, you finish your ritual, you cast the spell, and you determine that there is a glyph of lightning magic on the trapdoor, and that if it is not dispelled, if anyone pushes it open who is not a nimble right, they will instantly be blasted with a thunder wave. Man, we don't uh, want anyone else getting hit with thunder waves. I, <laughs> I call back down to what's her name? Sorry. To uh, Valletta. Valletta. Uh, we have some uh, thunder up here. You got a lightning rod or something? She says. It's a glyph of thunder wave or something. She says, "Ah, bear with me for a moment." She reaches into her cloak. And she pulls out what looks like a small magical wand, except it's made out of gold, has several cogs over the side of it, and a small lever. She walks up to the trap door, holds the wand aloft, and begins to turn a small crank on the side of it. The wand begins to make a sound. And then a small red and yellow umbrella pops out of the top of the wand. The trapdoor glows, and a plume of lightning strikes out, <laughs> hitting the wand and dissipating into the small umbrella, which then folds up back into the wand. Valletta places it back in her cloak and smiles. She gestures for you to push the door open. Gesture to Sir Lucian and ask him if he would like to go first. Sir Lucian says... Of course, it would be honourable for me to go first. Say no more! He steps forward. The most important first. <laughs> he pushes the door open and he says, Yes, yes, the most important goes first. He climbs out through the trap door. And I'd like you all to roll for initiative, please. Getting over the clockwork wand or whatever it was. Uh, ooh, 19. Six. 19. And, um, 18. Bobbit, I'm sorry, but I will be right back just before we start Ava, 6 for Bulb. Let's see what Sir Lucian got. Sir Lucian goes even after Bulb. Okay. Alright. The final fight for today. I'll switch over to the map. As soon as you push the trap door open and climb up into the room above, you hear the metallic scuttling of Dozens of legs, and out of the corner of your eye, you see shadows disappearing into the dimly lit attic room. Here comes the map. Okay, you immediately see one clockroach in an adjacent room. There may be... You see, you saw others scuttle off into the darkness, but you cannot see them. Bobbit, you... Ah, uh, up first. 
Okay, so we only know of that one. Yes. Um, well, Bobbit might start by uh, casting Armor of Agathy. Oh, you never remember. Agathys? Agathys, yes. Agathys on herself. And then we'll go and check the room. Well, actually, I might send Blinky to go check the room with the clock. All right, so you're going, to use your, you're going to use your action to send Blinky in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Into, the room with, into the room with Clockroach 2 or into the other room that you can't see? Mm, maybe in the other one that we can't see yet. Alright, Blinky heads up and Blinky sees. I just does have to Bobbit put... see what Blinky sees? Yes, Bobbit does, so I just have to put Bobbit there so he could actually. Um... Okay, Bobbit go. Put Bobbit back and then Blinky heads into the room itself. And I'll send Bobbit there so he could get the vision. There we go. So, Bobbit, you've sent Blinky in and revealed a large metallic canine. Its teeth, sharp razors, and cogs and springs powering its four legs. There is an iron defender in this room. Okay, on one hand, Bobbit is... Really excited by the idea of a giant metallic dog. On the other hand, Bob is now very concerned for Blinky's safety. <laughs> okay, it is the just, end. Yeah. It is the end of Bob's <laughs> turn. It is now Ava's turn. Yeah, you uh, may have sent Blinky really... into a bad situation. Yeah. I really need um. I don't know. Magic weapon. <clears throat> oh. Holds up his staff. You can take his staff if you want. Okay. You'll have yeah. some spells. So, so you can't wield it two. You can't wield two weapons, but you can at least get a. Actually, I remember now, Ava. Didn't you? Uh, aren't you attuned to the ruby? Didn't uh, you embed that into one of your swords? The ruby. From the yeah, fields, from the sewer dungeon. From... The ruby of spellcasting. And you use it as your spellcasting focus. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the sword that that's Im- the sword that that's embedded into counts as a magic weapon. Oh. So you oh. have one magic short sword. I just remembered. Sorry, I wish I applied that in the previous fight. Well, we All know right, now. Well, I'll smack it with my short sword then. So cockroach <laughs> two. Um. Yes. All right. You head up to attack cockroach two, and as you enter the room. You reveal Clockroach number one also in there. Go ahead and oh. roll to hit Clockroach two. Okay, so there's just the three things. Okay. Nineteen. Nineteen, that's a hit. Roll for damage. So that is... Six, um... Of that regular yep. damage. Plus your psychic. Um, and four psychic damage. Ten points of damage, not bad. You strike at it, your ruby glows as you hit it, flinging it into the wall, but you, you're not able to destroy it. It is Moon Moon's turn. I'll, I suppose yep. I'll um, oh, yeah, you try, do I'll hit it with my other one as well. Alright, go ahead. Another one damage. Go ahead, roll to hit. Uh, 
18. 18, that's a hit. So that's one point of damage. It's 11 points down. As it's as it recovers from you flinging it into the wall, you slash at one of its legs. It whirs angrily. It is, and I'll fly You'll back fly, fly back out into here. As you fly away, you get an attack of opportunity from Clockroach. Um, can I... Uh, oh, from a yeah. different one. Well, yeah, because you... I haven't got Zephyr Strike on now, do I? Yeah, and you can't disengage because you used your bonus action to attack. So as you fly away, it gets an attack of opportunity on you. And unfortunately it hits because it rolled a 24. So as it bites, as it sinks its fangs into you, you take, let's see, uh, first of all, 1d4, you take one point of piercing damage and an additional six points of acid damage. Yeesh. That's seven all up. Okay, it is Moon Moon's turn. She rushes into the next room where she could she rushes into the room with the iron defender and casts magic missile on it three magic missiles fly out hitting the creature and it takes nine points of force damage from the magic missile okay it is the enemy's turn First of all, Iron Defender moves up to Blinky and makes a multi-attack against Blinky. Oh, oh Blinky, no! <laughs> Here we go. Blinky just... Oh, and oh, it Blink hits Blink with both of them. No, uh, Blinky's armor class is... Oh, actually, what are we adding to his attack? Uh, plus five to his attack. Yeah, okay, never mind, he hit. Okay, so Blinky takes no. from both attacks, 2d6 plus 6, 15 points of damage. Oh, and thank god, it's still, it's still alive. Blinky must now make a strength save. Oh, that's bad. Which who he wants fails. To yeah, I was going to say, Blink, who wants to guess what Blinky's strength at that? Yeah. Go ahead, Peter. No, it's his strength that is three, which is negative <laughs> four. Blinky, Blinky is not strong. <laughs> Blinky is grappled as he is caught in the Iron Defender's teeth, and as he is grappled, he takes an additional one d six damage. Oh one. God! Uh, oh well, he's, he's still, still up, barely but, alive. But... but you see him wincing in pain with his ice stalks whirling around, and he can't take an action because he is grappled. Yeah. Clockroach number two rushes into the room and attacks first Bulb. Well, it only has one attack, so it attacks Bulb with its fangs. Right, and AC that is, is now 13. Yep, and that is an 11. So Bulb, you are able to deflect it, knocking its fangs out of the way with your sword. Clockroach number Stop. one runs in. Oh, runs up to Bulb and rolls with advantage. And both times it is unable to hit you as you turn around, deflecting it to the best of your ability. Okay. It is now 
Uh, so it is now Bulb's turn. I have to take a bonus action to disengage. Yep, and where would and you like to go? Can I run through other characters? Yes, you can. Uh, I would like to run to a above Moon Moon. Yep. So north of Moon Moon. And cast Scorching Ray with all three rays to hit the Iron Defender. Okay, go ahead and roll to hit. Watch all of these fucking miss. Oh, no, that's a 17, 18, and 18 plus 5. So. Okay, they all hit. Because it's Jeez. 18 and 17. <laughs> that actually worked for once. <laughs> okay, so that's 6d6. Yep, go ahead, roll the damage. Um, I only have 4 on my table. <laughs> Just um, It's already down 8 from Moon Moon's Magic Missile. Seventeen plus twenty-one. Uh, twenty-two damage. Twenty-two damage. Ooh, you burn off some of the cogs and springs. They fly into the air as the Iron Defender um, howls a metallic howl in pain, but it is not down yet. Um. Also, and I hate to say this out loud because I know I'm going to be sad if I get an answer to this. If Blinky's being held in its mouth, would Blinky be taking that damage as well? Ah, uh, yes. So Blinky is down. Blinky, Blinky had like two health. Yeah, so. Blinky is down, but don't worry, he well, can come back. He's a, I was going to say, technically he's a familiar, so he just yeah. kind of goes poof. Yeah, he just... He's gone. You see Blinky just poof into thin air as the teeth close in on nothing, and then the Iron Defender howls in metallic pain and rage. Bobbit, as you see Blinky disappear, what do you do? Well, Bobbit's going to assume that the uh, Defender was the one that killed him, so Bobbit is absolutely steaming mad, just like tears in her eyes because her friend got smushed. <laughs> and so we'll get we'll, we'll get to Bobbit's next turn when it's Bobbit's next turn. It is oh, so. Yeah. It is that rule before. <laughs> it is hey. so. What, I was sorry, Remy. I was just say? wondering if we've ever done that rule before. Well, I don't think we've ever really had a proper familiar in combat before. Oh, well, yeah. We've had people grapple when they've been hit. Yeah, but, well, say for example, you know, when um, Angus well, it, was being grappled by yeah. the Beholder and then going we to have the back, giant yeah. fireball. We, I, have, so it, I have where if it's, if it's fire or something like that, it will hit who's grappled. But that's okay, it's only uh, a familiar, okay. it'll come back. It is Sir Lucian's turn. So Lucian is going to attack Clockroach number two, and he spends the superiority die to use goading attack again. He hits the Clockroach two, deals one damage, plus an additional seven points of damage from his goading attack, which is enough to kill it. But first, Dodge. he uses his goading attack on Clockroach number one, and it fails its wisdom save. And now, if it attacks anyone other than Sir Lucian, it rolls with disadvantage. Oh. However, Clockroach number two is destroyed. Sir Lucian must make a dex save, which he fails, and he takes 10 points of fire damage. Okay, it is Bobbit's turn. I was going to say, anyone that's in the room where Blinky was, you just hear this, Nyaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaaa
because I yep, don't want the them getting hit by this. No, 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 no. I mean, like in front of them, oh, so they don't get hit yep. by this. Pretty much hold out both my hands, absolute fury in her eyes, and Bobbit's gonna cast Burning Hands at a second level. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, it must well, make you, it save. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. See, it's a deck save, right? Yeah. I'm guessing this thing's probably gonna be dexterous. Please don't be good at this. That's a 12. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, tries to fails. Bobbit, yeah. Just have Bobbit come in and you just hear this. Bobbit, well, burn you for what you did. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and roll your damage. Okay, so what do I need for second level? That 4D6. It'd be 11 points of fire damage as this massive cone of fire and rage just slams into the side of it. Thunk, thunk, thunk! You hit the iron defender, it sprawls onto the floor, it winces, it whirs, it's, it's cogs struggling to maintain their momentum, but then somehow it climbs to its feet. Ava, your turn. I'll let one vengeance. Uh, where am I? You're right here next to Clockroach 1, and it has been okay. goaded by Sir Lucifer. Okay, I guess I should attack that one then. Go ahead. Eleven, that is unfortunately a miss as you swing your sword and the cockroach deflects it by opening a metallic wing. Well, you, heck. Would you like to go and make, go try for one damage on your next attack? <laughs> uh, it seems almost pointless, but sure. However, you could make it your favoured foe and then attack it. At least you get the extra damage for making it a favoured No, um, I have to hit it to... Ah, to make it a favoured foe, Make it yes. my favoured foe. That's right. Alright, well, go ahead, see if you can get one damage on it. Uh, non-nat 20. Non-nat 20, that's a hit! I guess I could, um... Would you like to declare it your favoured foe? foe? Alright, yeah. it is your favoured foe. And that adds an extra d4 of damage. Yep, it damage. does. So go ahead, deal your d4 of damage. And I got a 4. 4, not bad. You strike it, knocking it onto its back as Moon Moon runs down and fires a ray of frost at it. And let us see, she doesn't seem to hit often with these. But she hits this time with the ray of frost, dealing 8 points of damage freezing it and destroying it. And as she hit it with a ray of frost and the frost jams the gears, it does not explode. That's how, that's how close it was to being killed? Damn. It is the Iron Defender's turn. It steps forward, makes one multi-attack against Bulb. I'm for Bulb. That's 22, so that's going to yeah. hit you, Bulb. And, Bob, you are being hit with... You are being hit with... Uh, let me see. Roll 1d6. You take 
five points of piercing damage, and you must make a strength save, please, Bold. Okay. Five points, that's 13 health. Oh, pardon me. Uh, strength save. Strength yep. save. Strength save. Strength save. Uh-oh. That's a six. That's a six. You find yourself... You find its jaws locking into your flesh and you try as hard as you might. You can't pull yourself free. You are grappled by the Iron Defender and you take an additional six points of piercing damage. Ooh. Then it makes its second multi-attack at Bobbit. And it hits Bobbit. That seems fair. Bobbit, you take six points of piercing damage. However, it already has an opponent grappled, so it cannot grapple you. Okay, what? it is Bob's uh, turn. Just... I've taken a reaction to, like, jump. Like, just bend my knees and push off to give it disadvantage on its attack? Um, when it tried to grapple you? No, when it tried to hit um, Bobbit. When it tried to hit Bobbit. Ah, okay. I will allow you to make, as at the start of your turn, an escape check using your athletics or your acrobatics, and you may do it with advantage. Oh, that works too. Okay. Uh, athletics or acrobatics, what do I got? Uh, ah, damn, I don't have any of those proficiency, but uh, athletics, because that's plus two. Uh, that is 18. 18. You manage to escape out of its jaws as it opens its maw to strike Bobbit. Oh, wait, um, just a quick thing. Oh, yeah, to armor of Agathas. If I had armor of Agathas, it takes, yeah, 10 cold damage for... 10 cold damage, about that. which sends it five feet back, but somehow... Its wit gears, its springs being half frozen, charred, burning. It is still up. Bold, what will you do? Sorry about that. Uh, so that was it, at the start of my turn, so I threw yep, an action. It, yep, it looks to be on the verge of death after the... I'm casting Burning Hands. All right, go ahead. It's going to make a dex check, dex save. Uh, yeah, my spell save is 13. It fails. Ooh. Burn it. Burn it for Bobbit. And what does Burning Hands do again? Uh, it's uh, 3d6. 3d6 yeah, fire damage. Uh, Go ahead. Laugh my ass up if you do higher than me with an extra d6. That was 14 damage. Uh, 15 yep. because of my stuff. A plume Damn. of fire sprays from your hand, hitting the Iron Defender at its open maw. You blast it to the back of the room where it bounces off a wall, dislodging a stack of crates. As the crates fall to the ground, you notice, hiding behind them, a humanoid figure made of wood just watching the fight. The Iron Defender whirs, ah. moving its legs harmlessly. And the last of its gears fizzle and burn away. It is destroyed. That combat is over. Hello. I'm ready in action. Bob, it was to smack the goddamn wooden person for killing Blinky. <laughs> you walk up to the nimble rod, Nim, and you smack him. And as you smack him, he flinches. And he just looks around silently, his eyes wide with concern and fear, as he cowers behind the collapsed stack of crates. 
Oh, you're going to be in big trouble, young thing, says Valletta as she steps briskly into the room. And at the sight of her, the nimble rod cowers, using its wooden arms to cover its face. I like the idea that Bullock's trying to hit it with the stuff, but the stuff doesn't actually do any damage to it, so she's just whacking it angrily. What would you like to do? At this point, can I do another perception check to see if I can actually see if this one has something missing? Ah, uh, yes you can. Go ahead. Because I rolled low enough before that I feel like I may have missed something. It's possible. Six. You look at the cowering nimble rod and he looks back at you with wide, trembling, wide, fearful eyes. His wooden body trembling, rattling. And you notice that his cloak, he's wearing his cloak, but it appears to be fully intact. And yes, Ava, you may make a perception check, please. Oh. Yeah. Its cloak appears Same to be, as me. <laughs> its cloak appears to be fully intact. You cannot see any patch of it missing. And with the nimble rod cowering behind this stack of crates, shielding its face with a wooden arm, its wooden joints rattling like a marionette dancing on stage. You are unable to get a good enough look at it. Valletta steps forward. And she raises the gold rod that she used before. And as soon as she raises it, the nimble rod's eyes grow even wider. Even wider. And she says, right, Nim, explain yourself right now. The nimble rod looks at her. And it begins to bob its head up and down silently. As if it were talking. Although you can't hear anything. She begins to interrogate it. Why have you been constructing clock roaches without our permission? Why have you been throwing things at visitors in the street? Why have you put a glyph at the entrance to your bloody room? While she's interrogating it, do any of you have anything you'd like to add? Determined that it's the same one, he just waits to hear the answers. The nimble rod interrogation continues for about ten minutes. Finally, Valletta sighs and she says, Go to the workshop! Speak to the acolytes there and have yourself reset! The nimble rod bows its head, stands up and slowly clomps out of the room. And as it leaves the room, you're able to get a good look at its cloak and notice that it is indeed a different nimble rod. Oh. Valletta um. sighs. She places she places her hands on her hips and she says, ah, Well, that was a... That was a fat load of nothing. She says, I trust this isn't going to be of use to you, but if you'd like to hear it anyway... She gestures towards the crates, inviting you to sit down. Oh, sitting down. down. Yeah, Bobbit's still just hitting the um, Iron Defender angrily. I'll sit. She says, Nim is supposed to help out the Acolytes with their construction. 
I presume this is how he learned to create the clock roaches in the Iron Defender. When he is not working, he's supposed to be up here in the attic, in hibernation, waiting for us to call him. Unfortunately, it appears that Nim was far smarter than any of us gave him credit for, and was spending his free time learning how to create other nimble, other nimble rites. She sighs and says, unbeknownst to us, he created a secondary nimble rite, a female, who he fell desperately in love with. Knowing that we would dismantle or reset this she-nimble right if we found her, he gave her a cloak to disguise herself as human and set her loose in the city. Ah. Occasionally, she would come to visit him, regaling him with tales of her exploits in the city. Apparently, very recently, she was taken in by a human noble family that growl hunts and has become their ah. servant. There it is. There it is. She says, The Nimble Rite visited Nim earlier today, in fact. She told him she was scared, that she felt as if she'd done something terrible, and he ushered her away back where she came from and said that he would uh, deal with anyone who came looking. I presume this is why he hurled the clockroaches into the street at the sight of you. She says, unfortunately, the she-nimble right is long gone at this point, but we know where she is. These, this Grelhund noble house, whoever they are, if you wish to find your assailant who you were looking for, that is the place to go. She sighs, leans leans up against the wall, crosses her hand, crosses her arms together and says, And? So that you didn't come here for nothing, I'd like to sweeten the deal. If you would find this rogue nimble right and destroy it, the House of Inspired Hands will pay you 200 gold apiece as thanks. And we will allow you to take any one of our creations with you oh. to use as you see fit. Something that I want to ask, but I don't want to waste. Oh, fuck. What, what, what? Bo wants to ask if getting him reset is akin to murder and wants to know if he, that specific nimble rod, uh, would be. Nimble right, sorry, would be available for him to take as his item. Valletta laughs and she says, Murder! They're not even alive. He's being reset. It means we'll wipe his memories, wipe any trace of a personality he has, start him anew, reprogram him, re-enchant him, reinforce all of the enchantments and mechanical wards that bind him to us, and he will be as good as new. He had a conscience. He created life himself and learnt by himself. Would he be up on the table for me to take him if we do this thing for you? What do the others think of this? Or was it one magic item? It was for meant the group? to be. She was implying one magic, one item for the and whole for group. Each of Oh, two hundred. Yeah, two hundred uh, for each of you, plus one of their creations. 
Oh, okay. Uh, so what uh, did the others think? And... No, so you're asking know. for the nimble... The nimble... Yeah, she's going to ask for Nim. He's going to ask for Nim. Yeah. To save Old him from being reset. feels that resetting him would be murder. Um, and... Yeah, he feels that even though he created the rogue nimble, right? He doesn't feel that being reset. So, um, no, but Bob doesn't want to use the magic item for the whole group. I feel that if he explains this to Ava, that Ava would probably not want the nimble right to be put to death. Bob asks, how much does a nimble right cost? Valetta says, why? A thousand apiece. And we do not usually sell them out to... We do not usually lease them out to uh, outsiders. However, Bulb, I'd like you to make a persuasion check, please. And if Ava would like to assist, because she probably values the sanctity of life, you may do it with advantage. Yeah, sure. You're not... uh, Is this really what you want, Ava? Because I don't want to try and pressure into this. Uh, Oh, I don't mind. Oh, why did I make charisma on my dump stat? (laughs) Oh, hold on. That's a 16. Oh. It's a 16. Yeah, 16. You discuss the idea of taking in Nim for yourself, putting him to work at Troll Skull Manor, giving him a fair job, accommodation, a fair wage, and treating him like a sentient being. Valetta scoffs at all this and she says, Well. Let Bob us... would even give up his 200 gold reward. She says, well, how about this? I will reduce the offer to 100 gold apiece. Save for you, dear Bulb, who will get nothing. But the rest of you will get 100 gold apiece, plus a creation of your choice, and we will release Nim into Bulb's custody. Okie dokie. As long as he apologizes for Blinky. <laughs> she just smiles at this and says, He's a chunk of wood. He has no guilt for anything he may have done. You may be holding your breath. Bobbert cares not. <laughs> she sighs and she says, Far be it for me to question why you wish to take a uh, enchanted lump of wood into your employ, but I believe we have a deal. She holds out her hand. Bulb shakes it, and as he's saying, as he's shaking, says, "As long as he's, as long as he doesn't get reset before." She says, "Very well. I'll ensure he is not reset. We shall have him locked away. When you return with the head of the other nimble, right? You shall have yeah, your reward." We might not want to show that one that uh, head to Nim because he yeah. might not want to go with you regardless. You shall have your reward. Nim released into your custody. 100 gold apiece. She looks at Bob. Sands, you of course. And a creation yep. of your choice. She claps her hands together. Then she reaches into her coat. And holds out the strange gold rod-shaped contraption with the umbrella on the end of it. She says, if you're going after the rogue Nimble right, you'll probably need this. Oh. She says oh. this. 
do you reach out and hand take it? Yeah, I was yeah, I was gonna say I reach yep. out my hand to reach out your hands and you take it. You look at the strange object, Valletta sighs, and she says If you don't know what it is, it's a nimble right detector. You can use it to point you in the direction of a specific nimble right, in this case the rogue, and you may expend its charges to dispel any magic that said nimble right may have used. That's actually going to come in handy if it tries to defend itself, I like. Yeah, by using magic against your setting traps. She says, yeah. she says, I'm releasing it to you to assist you in this task, but it is property of the House of Inspired Hands, and I expect it returned in good working order. Bol nods his head and says, I'll bring it back. She says, very well. And may Gond grant you ingenuity. And with that, she smiles and escorts you out of the temple. That is the end of today's session. Hmm. As you return right. to Trollskull Manor, inform uh, Mickey Magrood, Volo, and the rest of your escapades, and have just enough time to settle down for a drink before the door bursts open and a raging Narthal comes in, slamming his fist down on one of the tables, sending a huge crack across its surface, muttering something about paperwork and big words, and not my fault if I can't read properly. I turn to Bobbit and uh, Bobbit and Ava and go. Don't mention the cut in the payment for this job. Bobbit, <laughs> I was gonna say Bobbit. The second she got back, is pretty much gone to her room and just call up. Oh, okay. and yeah, wait for oh. wait for Blue <laughs> to come much, back. It's just very sad of here. It's just sitting on her bed, very sadly. On one hand. Instead about Blinky, and in the other hand, literally in her other hand, holding the uh, necklace of fireballs, trying to figure out what to do with this for the time being. <laughs> Can you just call Blinky back? Well, he has to cast Find Familiar again. Just yeah. to wait, just to wait one day, three days, and then cast Find Familiar again. So actually, yeah. I will roll that now. I was going to say, where is that actually written? Uh, it's in in the um. It's in the DMs, guys. It's not actually part of the Find Familiar uh, spell. No, fair, fair, fair. It's just fair. saying no, that, uh, yeah. So you've got to two wait days. two days, and then you may cast Find Familiar again to get Blinky back. It's a very sad So Bobbit finds herself crying to sleep that night as she recites the ritual for Find Familiar three times to no avail. And I'll comfort the small ch child. Ava sits with her, wrapping her wing about her, saying, There, there. There, there, child. In that, in that case, Bobbit definitely doesn't pull out the uh, necklace of fireballs. Yeah. <laughs> and you simply sit Shiny. there. And, you simply sit there and listen all night, your wings wrapped around Bobbit as she slowly cries herself to sleep. Meanwhile, Bulb and Sir Lucian inform Mickey Magrood and Narthal of the day's happenings, making sure to leave out the reward for destroying the rogue nimble right, of course. But leaving in that... Nothing about the 100 gold, but yeah. we just don't mention that it was yeah. 200 at the beginning. You, don't leave it, you leave that part out. But as soon as you mention that tomorrow you're going to take a trip down to Grelhund Villa and... Kick the door in and 
fight some potentially demon worshipping upper crust oh, nobles. Narthal smiles and his eyes glisten with glee and he says, Good, good. Something to conquer at last. So Lucian uh, even smiles and says, Hmm, well, as long as it's not uh, a Scuttlebutt family. Oh, of course he freaking Yeah, when Bobbit's not there. Bobbit's not there. <laughs> <laughs> out loud. It is. As bold is it? <laughs> yeah, but Bobbit's not there. And oh. there we go. That is it for this week's episode of D&D Fellowship of Steel, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. For those three of you who participated today, you gain a point of inspiration. Yay. Third, I still have three. Yeah, I know. I forgot I to use them today. Yeah. <laughs> I keep I forgetting They're accumulating. you got to use them to re-roll dice with. All those bad dice rolls you had, you could have used inspiration to re-roll them. I yes. keep forgetting that we have them. And, yes, so you gain inspiration dice. Next downtime, Bobbit will gain proficiency in Tinkerer's Tools. Yeah. And with that, you all gain a long rest, recover your health, recover your spell slots. For next Yay. week, you will march upon Grelhund Manor and get to the bottom of this Stone of Galore affair. But what if the Xanathar Guild? Surely, surely they must be working to get the stone back. And what of the million gold coins that lay hidden in the city? can't help but feel that this strange affair is only just beginning. Thank you for everyone who joined us today. We hope you enjoyed today's session, and we hope you join us next week for some more D&D. Until then, let the spirit of adventure guide you. Say bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.